hola, hola Charlito. Charlito. Hola Charlie. Char. Hey Charlie. Okay Charlie. Is your name Charles? It's Charlie, not Charles. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm blessed. This is uh, my first guest, and I appreciate this dude for everything that he's doing. Um, you know, as a as a young man, just trying to like, uh, you know, be more courageous and 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 being able to like be creative and and uh, and do just dope just dope shit, man. This man has been doing it for so many years. He's a young brother, Dominican brother from the Heights. JP Infante, thank you for being here, brother. Yo, Charlie, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Is it Charlie? Is it Charles? Ah, it's, Charles not... <laughs> it's Charlie, man. It's Charlie. Charlie, but, uh, no, it's a pleasure to be here. It's thank you, man. Thank you. Um, um, your profession says a lot about you. Um, you welcoming me here. I don't, I don't take it for granted. Yeah. Um, there's something to be said with, which is dope, about the Dominican diaspora in New York City, the tri-state area, where um, we're constantly collaborating and working. It's a beautiful thing, but sometimes... We take it for granted, and it's like, oh, you're Dominican? You have yeah. Dominican power? Oh, so we got to work together. No, it's not like that. It's like, not. Um, there's something to be said when collaborations are... It's more than nationality or because we share the right. same right. ancestors. Right. It, has to, it has to be a little bit more than that. And I, and I appreciate you having me here because it feels like it's a little of bit... Of course, man. And you know what it is, you know, because this is the first time we actually meet. Right, and it's because you know we have like common friends. Shout out to Angie, Angie from yeah, Dominican yeah, Writers yeah, yeah. Association. She's doing amazing work yeah. as well. But just like just seeing how you move, seeing how you put yourself out there, how you put your art out there, you know, shit is is admirable, bro. So that's why you know when I when I when I you know thought about like bringing on guests, man, I was like, yo, JP has to be one of the first guys that I I get to sit down with, man, because um, you know. Again, as a, as an artist, but in the shadows, bro. Like you're yeah. like, you're like an awesome person. Like to just to get feedback on, just to see how you did it, how you know how you inspired, you know, at an early age, and how you just, you know, stuck to the script. You know, you didn't fall into like these other like, uh, you know, uh, traditional. Um, even though even though what you do, you know, you know, being a teacher can be considered yeah. traditional, right? Yeah. But like, you know, like. Immigrant families always push like for finances and stuff, doing the law or to be, you know, and you stuck it and you was like, nah, like I love literature, you know, and, and this is what I do. I teach it, um, you know, yeah. I write it, you know, you wrote, you know, many pieces that are thought provoking. Um, please c correct me if I'm wrong in any of that. That's why you say that because, um, and we spoke a little bit of, of, on the phone about this when we first spoke on the phone. Um, when you said something to the effect of like that you find that admirable that I'm so creative that I'm right. putting my work out there. Um, and then in, in in looking at Charles, the little bit that I know about you and what yeah. Angie was mentioned, oh, um, this guy, Charles, he's cool, whatever. Um, and just thinking and seeing what you do, your profession, what mm. you do, um, at least Instagram, because Instagram is yeah, one yeah, particular yeah. image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can learn a lot in Instagram because um, once you learn that it's the shadows, you know, right, right. The, the allegory of the cave, once you know the then you can start, okay, that, maybe that's maybe that's not a dog, that's a hand. Right. But when you look at it that way, um, you could, you see certain patterns, and the patterns that I'm seeing from what you post on Instagram or whatnot seems a man of integrity, and it seems like you got your shit together. That's right. as basic as that. You got your shit together. And people know what that means, right? 
And for someone like you that's got this shit together to say, oh, it's dope that you've been creative, it, it, it rings differently. Because there's one thing for creatives to be like, oh, I love what you're doing, because we're going to, or a painter to be, oh, I read your piece, I appreciate it, it makes me feel good, it's encouraging. But um, we speak the same lang- language, or, or um, we're in the same, um, we're in the, in the same arena, right? Mm. But you're, you're coming in from the same, the same magic, right? It's because law is language, it's right. words, so it's the same magic, right? right? right. Um, but it can also be a, a, a darker magic too. There's a lot of weight, so you're dealing with words and language, but there's a lot of weight, and it could be dark magic too. Because mm. you go out there, you're in the courtroom, you're talking, you're doing all this. Yo, that's magic, bro. Yeah. That's magic. And it can be, you can be a force yeah, yeah, of good. You can good. use it for good or you can you use can it for bad. And what I'm doing is almost like, I have magic, but I'm just using it for fireworks. Right. And once in a while, people be like, oh, that firework it, it, uh, felt good. If, or that firework was too noisy. Right. Or that, those were, vi- those were beautiful. However, it's not as consequential. Right. Right. And it's something, it. It, no, I'm not trying to diminish the arts, but there's something to be said. And and, and and I don't when I say it's not consequential, I don't say it in a bad way. Right. No, no, I no. say there's something to be said for people who, who like I guess the compliment you're giving me, put right. themselves out there yeah. when it's not when I'm not gonna get but much it, of it. Uh, you know what? And, yeah. and, and and I respect that, but I mean I receive that, but yo, bro, like you putting yourself out there, you being vulnerable, it takes a lot, you know, like as attorneys, like we we advocate for our clients, right? Okay. But sometimes it's harder to sit down, and look at yourself in the mirror, and say, "Look, this is oh, this yeah. is something that I want to come up with that's coming from me." You know, this is not something that I'm regurgitating. This is not an an analysis that I saw written in the law books. This is something being birthed from me. You know, so you know, like I totally, yeah, you know, like like being in the law profession, you know, um, is is heavy. It's heavy work, man, especially. Uh, you know, when you do criminal defense, it seems like whenever someone calls you, it's yeah. because, you know, their world is collapsing, you know. Um, but, you know, it's I've also seen how hard it is to sit with yourself and write in the oh. dark places that you have to go through. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I was reading The Artist's Way, right? Oh. The Artist's Way, fantastic book for anybody out there that has, you know, a, a small inkling of, of, of wanting to be creative or, or feels that they are creative, I you know, I would Jessica highly Corn, recommend... Jessica well known. Jessica. You know what, that, that name actually is right here right? in the small studio that I built. Um, studio. Where is it? It's Oh, the artist way. Oh, Julia Cameron. Julia I Cameron. I just made some shit up. And you know, and you know what she said? You know, and I may be uh, missing, you know, misstating, but I, I, I remember this is what I get. Okay that a lot of shadow artists, which are artists that are in the shadows that are afraid to come out, become attorneys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that fucked me up right I there, man. But this, I mean, I see it, that bro. Like, you know, um, and say what you will, like, I'm, it is what it is, just because when, when you're experiencing, this is, um, I'm prefacing the statement I'm going to make. Uh, yeah. But, um, when you deal with the, with ICE, immigration and all that, it's difficult to, to look at Obama as like the second coming, you know? Like mm. you look at Obama and he's he's uh, exceptional human being, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, however, he was the face for a lot of suffering that I experienced and people close to me experienced mm. because mm. of immigration. Um, um uh, but it must be said in his uh, the eulogy he did for was it John Lewis John recently? John Lewis, right. Like you talk about magic. Two minutes into it, I was like, "Oh, Obama, please come!" Like I was so, even though I'm like, when I look, I see what I, I, I look past the pageantry of the theater, right, bro? But this brother, his, the way he speaks, I was yeah. just like 
and he's taking shots at, at, at Trump. He's calling young people out so they could go vote. He's tying it all together. A hell of a fucking right. right. Um, uh, but the, the the point being that um, he's a lawyer, and the way he was able to just like do that—that's art, bro. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's art. You know, like like some you know many you know whether it's Barack Obama, you know uh, Nelson Mandela was an attorney. Yeah. You know, I, I think he was a judge at some point, but I know he was an attorney. Um, Abraham Lincoln was an attorney. Um, you know, whether you, uh, you know, are for Fidel Castro or not, <laughs> Fidel Castro was an attorney. Yeah. Um, um, Mahatma Gandhi was an attorney. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, I think the law does help in people wanting to be creative in changing the system mm -hmm. and feeling that the only way they can change the system is to understand the laws that create it. Um, so... I, you know, I, I see that reason as to why, um, you know, you see many of these attorneys uh, who become politicians or become writers actually providing analysis um, from a, a place of like, okay, this is the government. This is what we deal with. Yeah. Like what they have in these books, it's not rocket science. It's man-made and it, mm -hmm. it was built to... Um, align interests with certain people uh, that didn't, uh, you know, that, that typically weren't the general welfare. Mm. You know, whether it was in property, whether um, it was in criminal defense. You know, a lot of these, is, it's, you know, these books were written in a way to protect a specific interest. Mm. So when you see that as an attorney, um, when you read that in a study of law, you know, you become enraged mm. or the opposite, you become jaded. Let me let me ask you, like, yeah. I know, like, I like to, I, I like to say that, like, speaking for myself, and I see it in other people. I think the core of a, of who a person is is remains the same. So Charlie at five, at ten, at fifteen, right. now thirty. Like, of course, the exterior things change. You change, you grow, obviously. However, the core, like that, this this thing in you that that remains the same. Um, uh, besides that part of you that's remained the same. After your first year of being a lawyer, working, mm. like what changed in you, personality-wise, where you see that you've like <sighs> what you changed in me, man? After um, your first year of being a lawyer, were you always criminal defense or no? Yeah, I, I always wanted to to go into criminal defense. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I'm the son of an immigrant. You know, Dominicana thing. You know, she she just wanted me to go to college and get a good job. You know, um, and, you know, and I, I think I was studying like. Uh, business, like some vague major, uh, you know, um, just because I was told that, you know what, you go to business, uh, you know, you do business, you make money, you should be happy, right? That was like it. Um, and and I wasn't doing so well in, in college when I was taking these, uh, these business, macroeconomics, microeconomics. Um, and then something happened where I, you know, I pledged a fraternity, uh, shout out to Lambda, Upsilon Lambda, and um, and through this fraternity, I went to a step show in Miami. Okay. And while we were out there, something happened. I got into an altercation with a police officer. Um, and, you know, when I was young, I was like 20 years old. Um, and the guy, you know, the officer put hands on me. So, you know, obviously I tried to defend myself. And um, next thing you know, I get arrested. You know, I thought I thought that being arrested wasn't for me. You know, here I am doing everything by the book. I'm going to school you know, um, you know, yes, I'm questioning authority because uh, I had a friend that was assaulted. So instead of well, like... Really quickly, before, before you yeah. went to that, 
you but you saw like people getting arrested that happened to that happens to other people like that right. something it, ne- it would never it would never oh no it would never happen to me that happens to other people and you know it's not to say that I still don't think it's fucked up right but but it doesn't happen to me because you know I've you know I grew up in the eighties you know I grew up around zombies mm. you know people that were drug addicted I grew up around high crime right so even though I prided myself in you know being social and connecting with those around me you know out of survival I had to keep people at arm's length yeah, yeah. you know so so like I knew like I feel like I mastered that game so you know and and I also knew that I had a very you know present mother who actually always wanted to drop jewels on me on like look watch out for this watch out for that so I thought I had it covered all I was doing was questioning this officer okay. that's all I was doing and, and, you know, and yes, like I've been, you know, targeted by officers before, you know, told to kneel down on my, on my uh, front steps, you know, because obviously we don't have backyard, you know, in Harlem. So we have front steps just because they were looking for someone. And when you live in a black and brown community, you always fit the description, especially when you're black or brown. So I understood that. And in some weird way, it was normalized for me. So I didn't really think too much of it. But when someone put their hands on you, with force and you don't know what's about to happen and you also feel that you're in the right um, and you know that you didn't commit a crime you were just asking the officer why are you questioning us when we're telling you these are the people that assaulted my, my, my friend and she's on the ground right so why are you you know is it because we're black or brown you know, I remember at that time also just to be just to be fair I was reading critical race theory in college okay. so you know I was also very hyper aware of these dynamics mm-hmm. so as they started to approach one of my friends that was there shout out to Jason he, he's the founder of the lives of men oh, yeah we gotta talk about Jay with me you know, and I apologize Jay if I'm putting your information out there but they started getting aggressive with Jay so uh-huh. in my mind I'm like why are these guys getting aggressive with Jay we haven't done anything we just came out to see what was happening and try to guide them yeah, as to how tall is Jason? Jason's like shit, it's basketball tall, That's like six four, six four. Yeah, all those images in Hollywood, they're yeah. like, yo, one more. You know, they reacted to Jason mm. in a way they didn't react to anybody else, and I got upset. We're just trying to help you. There's no reason why you know. Well, you were advocating. You were doing right, lawyer, you, know, you were advocating exactly. in that moment. Right, I was advocating. Right, next thing you know, whatever, boom, boom, bow. I got some handcuffs on me. I get arrested. Um, I'm traumatized, too much of a man to admit it at the time. I was hurt. I was saddened. I was probably depressed about what had occurred. So guess what? When I came back to New York, went back to Buffalo University, I switched my major from from business to to political science pre-law. My brother, my grades just skyrocketed. Mm. Because it was like I was studying with a vengeance, bro. Meaning, purpose, purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, So again, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like I would only imagine... Uh, you know, people that go through traumatic situations, whether, you know, women when it comes to, like, sexual assault or whatever, all of a sudden things start to trigger you. And I was getting triggered. I thought, okay, that, mano. You know, then I started to remember, oh, like, that, that time that, I, that they made me kneel in the steps of my building when my mother was looking at me through the fire escape. Like, all of a sudden, that shit triggered me. All of a sudden, that shit ain't normal. Stars, all of a sudden... You start making connections. The, the stars start connecting, bro. And then next thing you know, I'm just... I'm just studying with a with a fucking passion, bro, and that's uh, what's up, and that's man. how I became a criminal defense mm-hmm. attorney, man. And uh, you know, and I still have that, and you know, and what I what I'm understanding as well is that in my uh, evolving as a person, 
you know, as a person that wants to live intentional, I want to know what kind of role the law will have in my life now, understanding that quite possibly my chosen profession is a result of a reaction to a traumatizing event, right? So that's what I'm grappling with now. I remember, I think it was in Sundance. Sundance. I think Robert Refford had a channel. Sundance channel, I think. And there was a series called Iconoclast. And they will pair up, like, different uh, actors and artists, and they'll do, like, weird mixes. They did um this guy, Ricky Gervais, and then they did Gary Shandling. And that was an awkward interview, but that was interesting. They did, um, Dave Chappelle and Maya Angelou. Mm. And the, they're going back and forth, and a question comes up and um, about anger, right? And Chappelle says, like, what do you do with your anger? Like, isn't anger a bad thing? Which I imagine you must have been feeling. And she goes, no, no. Angela goes, no, anger's a great thing. You want anger. That's a good thing. You can alchemize it. Right. I'm paraphrasing. You can alchemize anger into something great. It's bitterness. Right. That's what you don't want. Right. You could. You want the anger for your art, for your life's purpose. <sighs> but if you become bitter, yeah. and that's when there's a protest, and then you just freaking a Molotov yeah. cocktail, you just blow you know. shit up. Yeah, you just blow, you know, and then, and then you know, you also have to understand what's your priority, right? Like, you want to, okay. you know, even though you want to, like, throw that, 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 that cocktail, right? Um, you know, you want to throw those rocks, you want to, like, revolt. You also have, you know, like, I don't have kids, but I would only imagine your priorities change when you have kids mm-hmm. or, you know, when when you're thinking that maybe, okay, like, maybe I'm in the position to create some kind of change that's different from this, yes. you know? So you also have to acknowledge your privilege in that that not being your only option, right? But, um, yeah, you know, it, you know, and it takes a lot of work, a lot of inner work. Yeah. To like not allow your rage to like dictate your actions, you know, like yeah. shit, man. Especially like in a culture where where, you know, like men, you know, the only emotion that we're <laughs> that we're uh encouraged to to exhibit is is anger. Yeah. You know, when it comes to like being sentimental, when it comes to saying that I'm depressed, when it comes to saying that I can't look at a cop without thinking about that incident, you know, um, it's 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 not it's it's not encouraged. That discussion doesn't really happen no, as much. So, um, but but it has to happen, you know. And I think and I think we have a responsibility to do the work. You know, I'm I'm, I'm I strongly advocate for like therapy, especially yes. amongst males of color. You know, yes. um, for whatever reason, you know, you know, if you're a descendant of an immigrant, like there's some trauma as to you know as to that. You know, my mother left everything she ever knew. To come to a country that she didn't know the language, she didn't know the system, she had to do a whole bunch of jobs in order to bring, you know, pro- provide food on the table. That itself is traumatizing. Yeah, you know? man, it was for your mother and a lot of mothers and grandmothers don't. Yeah. Juno Diaz compared it to, like, time travel. Mm. Like, you're in you're in this island, you're probably in a rural area. Right. If you're thinking of leaving, it means that you need, you need money, you're right. struggling. Right. So you're in DR, and then you're in freaking New York City. And every and this is a completely different language, mm. complete, completely different speed. Right, right. And but you have a kid, you have you really, but your life continues. Yeah. But you're in a completely different space, and all you know is that you need to produce money to send back. Exactly. That's that's exactly. the only that's the blueprint. You're yeah. gonna go get a job and send money back. And send money back, man. That's, it's, it's, yo, those the immigrant experience like yo, a lot of and mostly like. I hate to shit on men, man, because that's like it's almost in chic now. There's just shit on on straight men, straight Dominican men. But bro, 
you deserve to be shit on a little bit, you know? Or a little more than a little bit. Because you're mostly mothers that, like, you know? Of course, yeah. there's exceptions. Not, not, there's exceptions. But right, it's right. usually a lot of women coming in, migrating with their kids and just working their ass off, bro. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, so but talk, talk to me about. Um, talk to me about your experience, man. Growing up, like, like, are you a Washington Heights native? Um, so I was um born in in one six eight Columbia Presbyterian. Okay. But um, what happened? Well, around that time, I was born in eighty four. But that in the eighties, mid eighties, um. My family was doing really well. Okay. My great grandmother, Nolasque Infante, she's a G man. She's 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 great man. She deserves her own podcast, her own movie, and everything. Mm. She had a lot of businesses. She she had a lot of um, she had land. She had investment, and she also had a uh, untro de bayous, like whorehouses. What? Uh, yeah, she's a G man. She's and a G. She, and she um she also um so she was a madame. She, she, she did a whole bunch of stuff, but I, but there was a lot of money floating around. Like, mm. in our family, we had a lot of money. We had maids. We had fucking land in Puerto Plata, in Campo Jásica. We had a house in the capital with my grandmother. Um, we were doing really well um, around that time when I was born. So um, we I would go back and forth from DR, New York City, DR, New York City. And um, my mother had me at 16. Wow. So then, that, that um yeah, that's, that says a lot. Um, but I was taken care of well but I remember a lot of being with a lot of different caretakers mm-hmm. at a young age and that's what um, well, I think that has to do a lot with the way I, I interact with people when I go to a new space like you can put me anywhere and I'll be alright because right. from a young age I would know like okay I'm, I'm being taken care of or I'm, I'm, ba- I'm being babysat right now so I'm imposing myself. I knew not to impose myself. I knew not to take up too much space. Right. I knew, okay, this is how people talk here. Or when I'm in the campo, this is how people talk. These are the rules. These are the parameters. Mm. I can't cross that line. Oh, when I'm in the capital is one thing. When I come to New York City, it was super jarring when I officially came. Because right. I went to a, a kindergarten, first grade. Then I came to New York City in third grade. And it was super jarring. Mm. So I was a citizen, but I didn't right. know any English whatsoever. And it's wild that you're a lawyer. And I and when I tell this to a lawyer, I imagine they must like roll their eyes. Because um, like around three, I'm like, I was with my grandmother around three or four maybe. And I remember reading and, and not, not, not writing, reading Spanish at a very young age and talking a lot. And they would be like, el va a ser abogado, mira, no se calla, el va a ser abogado. <laughs> you know how they say when you talk a lot. Yeah. But anyways, I, um, and yeah, yeah, so I was just back and forth, New York, New York City, um, third grade, I was with my mother, and my step pops, and looking at it now, third grade, third grade is like, let me see, third grade is like six, seven, eight years old, right? So if my mother had me at 16, I was an eight-year-old, and my mother was 24. Mm. And like, and I'm just thinking about this, really, like thinking about your conversation we're talking with you today, I was thinking about, yo, my mother was 24, and thinking like, yo, dogs. What the fuck? Like, like, and I was really confused. Like, why does why is why is she so different from the other mothers? Right, right, and right. you see that in Ray Ray's and yeah, yeah, they yeah, like, yeah. Why she was so going through her own stuff, you know. Like, she was uh, still growing as well. So you know, I've always I've always realized that that young men like that, you know, some of my friends that had young mothers, uh, they grew up differently and they grew up almost faster at a certain age. Cause they had to, man. So that was probably your situation. Yeah, it's um, yeah, cause um, it's almost like uh, 
I always tell people when I when I see um oh yeah my mother was really strict or my mother or my father this and I couldn't do that I almost envy that because mm. I had so much freedom mm. aka there was probably neglect <laughs> it was just right. the, where I remember being super young seven just wandering around Washington Heights on my own I'll be I'll meet up with other little kids we were just you remember the theater or one one eighty first right there yeah, yeah, the yeah right there Bro, on, uh, across the street from McDonald's. Yo, I was like seven going to movies I remember watching Jurassic. Park and Ace Ventura. I remember thinking like, yo, Jim Carrey's an amazing actor. I remember watching Ace Ventura at like seven, I don't know how, maybe ten, thinking like, yo, this guy's an amazing actor. How do you do that? Like, I thought that was like the the pillar of acting. But, um, yeah, because I had a, a young mother, I think, and a number of reasons, she was young, mental health issues. Um, Keep talking while I while I work out this oh, mic, because nah, this nah, mic nah, is, nah, like, nah, falling. Be, be, behind the scene, right? <laughs> behind the scene, um, working this out, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, so um, yeah, I had a lot of freedom as a kid, man, which, um, but thank God, I, and I remember my step, they make fun of me, uh, my stepfather, my mother, um, rest in peace, my stepfather, she, when she was alive, she would, make, she would make fun of me, too. There was a point when I was in fourth so, grade. So hold up. So your mother passed away. Yeah, when, yeah, how old were you? Fourth grade? Oh no, no. When she passed away, um, I was uh, this twenty sixteen. She passed away. Oh wow! So it was recent. Yeah, recent, bro. And yo, straight. I don't. I mean, I've dealt. I've dealt with it. I deal with it. Right. And it's because it comes like waves. You know, it just comes. You're just like, oh shit, she's yeah. gone, and you start reexamining everything. Re what is it? What you guys say? Relitigating. Re really? Like you, right? Like you reopen. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying know. to use like Lori Trump to show her appreciation. You don't have to, bro. You don't <laughs> nah, nah. I seen the liar, liar. What was the liar, liar? The, the one with the Lori with Jim Carrey. Yeah, with Jim. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Jim Carrey's in it. <laughs> not to, you know, not to. Oh no, you go get into it. You go into it. Um, the shit is that I find it easier to um to feel emotion and cry through artistic experiences, right? Mm. So in speaking about my mother, I could get into it. I could write about it. We could really like. And it's like nothing. However, if I'm watching a movie or reading something, that's a beautiful song, a beautiful beautiful text, an actor who really captures it, that'll bring out an emotion, but through the arts. Right. So it's almost like there's a filter. It needs to be aesthetically pleasing. And then I'm like, okay, this is, this is you know, it's this weird way right. where I'm like intellectually reducing like feeling, mm. like the human experience in some way. Wow. So... It's a shield. I think it's a shield, and I still have. I, I haven't. I haven't really worked through that. There's a lot I have to work through. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Relatively yeah, recent. You know, like like I've done the same thing, man. When whenever like something that I feel would be a bit too painful, um, I, I try to intellectualize it as well. You know, like I remember when I was young. You know, my my father passed away when um, when I was six. You know, um, so, and I remember that. You know, I intellectualized it as, all right, like, you know, everyone tells me that this is, that he's in a better place. I'm just going to leave it at that because for me not to accept that would bring a lot of pain. But but I didn't even think about it, right? And I would actually not get upset, but I would get uncomfortable when other people would ask me about or, or give me their condolences like years after, like maybe when I was eight or nine. Because then it would, you know, it made me feel like, oh, so I'm supposed to be feeling bad about this. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed, supposed to, to be feeling some anything. Yeah, something. yeah. I'm supposed to be feeling something, and 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 you know, and something that I've I've tried to run away from. You know, yeah. I totally I totally get that process, especially for a young male. You know, and you're not being so young because you know at the time you, you were in your thirties. Thirty six. Yeah. How old was that? 
about um, twenty um, four years ago. Okay. And it's recently. Oh, it's recent. Right. It's like thirty two. Yeah, it's it's really recent. Wow. Um, My condolences, brother. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. She suffered a lot of addiction, alcoholism, mental health issues. Your mother did. Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of heavy stuff. Um, and I like to say, um, she was like a what a man would be if he was a woman, right? So there was a lot of like um, taking up space, being aggressive. Alpha, alpha woman. Alpha. Oh, you know a lot. Of, how, I know and, so and many. How, you know they they reign in my family, man. But the yeah. shit. But the shit is that she was um tiny, red, and that's another thing. She was just like not because she was my my mother. Like you see her image, she's just a beautiful woman. Right. So then I could see her just like I mean she had me at sixteen, being at sixteen, um just. Looking like a woman. Right. If shit is bad now, imagine being a, 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 a older looking 16-year-old, you mm. know? Like, what that was like. So, um, even before, uh, like, even before I could even start talking or really making sense of her death, I st- I'm still processing um, just her mental health and, like, what that was like. Um, and that's what the, the chapter that's coming out in, um, September. in September, yeah, through um, 30 Publishing. There's, like, this little small um, publishing press in, um... Philadelphia, Josh and his team, they like, they make these hand-bound um, chapbooks. They really like put a lot of energy in. Uh, on the tip of your mother's tongue. On the tip of your mother's tongue. Amen. Such a great title, Thank man. Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, yeah. So then um, so then there was a contest. I sent that. Um, the sister, Ana Suarez, this poet, um, she she chose it. Um, it's coming out in September. And, and that piece is... Um, you have the opening poem, um, umbilical, right. which is just like these three scenes of this little boy. Then you see them. You see the prison industrial complex. Right, you see right. the education. You see like the poverty. And that um, his focus is just. Meanwhile, his mother's like doing a lot, you know, on the bus, arguing with people, and he's just trying to take care of his baby sister. That's sad, and that's um, and a lot of all that like, um, all that, true. Even to the, to the teacher, all that true. Mm. I pass, I like that, um, yeah, I remember that blue wall. I remember that room, that small room we were in, that were blue walls. Like, yeah, but anyway, so Inside that's, of that's, the correctional facility. You no, know, I'm talking about um, the ending where there was, where um, the, the, the narrator, the speaker says, um, think of the speaker. The speaker, speaker. The speaker says something like, um, I don't know if I was cold or if I was scared. Mm. Like, like all that, all that shit is real. Buying cocaine, the the second prose poem is just came out of. Um, so, so I'm trying to understand this. I'm trying to understand this. So, so there's a lot, right? Where it's, it's almost like giving you got giving the child guidance. You know, I'm assuming it's a son, right? That she's talking to. You know, okay. Yeah, giving advice to, and it's almost like strategy. And a lot of the strategy has to deal with pretty peculiar, you know, unsafe situations or, you know, whether it's purchasing cocaine, Mm -hmm. um, you know. So let's get into that. Like, is this something that you resonate with the characters that that you made up or is this based off of like personal experience? um, With um, with, on the tip of your mother's tongue, that's all. That's almost all of it. Like all of it is real, like real, real. With um, without a big one, um, and Rain, which is part of the novel, that's something else. That's a lot of that. I read that read. one. I like that one a lot too. Thank you, brother. Without a big one, you know, not a lot of men have the courage to mutter those words together in a sentence. <laughs> without like, a big one, well, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> without a big one, it, the original title was "Without a Big One." They ain't love, 
and then there was a, a back and forth between um, the protagonist Raymond and um, Nino, this drug dealing who's mm-hmm. being the babysitter slash ACS worker. Yeah, yeah. And they're going back and forth, and there's a double entendre where Nino's talking about like I have it bigger than Greg Gregorio, the right. other guy, and um, he tells me without a big one they ain't love. But then, I, but it was too, it was too much. It was just like it was too clever, you know. And right. Faulkner, dope writer, I love says kill your darlings, you know. I think he said that, but just like I, I love this scene. So the original title is. Without a big one, they ain't love. And the entendres without a big one, without an adult. Right. But also without a big dick, without a pig, right? So right, it's like right, you right. have Nino's voice and, and Raymond. Um, let's, let's talk about this one um, um, because I liked the the pace of it. Okay. Because it, you know, it was like the perfect dance of like nuance and naivete. Because he's young, but he's young and he's facing so much. You know, one of the uh, you know one of the characters' favorite phrases was is de- you know it depends, it depends, mm, okay. and I wonder if his phrase that was his phrase because he was navigating through this life uh, where so much was uncertain, the people that he loved, you know, ha- ha- were were leaving him for whatever reason, whether it was his dog, mm. whether it was his stepfather, Hilda was about to go away, you know, so. I, I'm not sure if I'm sure if I'm sharing too much. No, no, that's good because that, that's fine. Because um, the right. um, a big one is in Quayle. Um, it, 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 it's in the. You won the awards for the. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. People really enjoy good it. Stuff, um, yeah. I got lucky with that. Which one. which awards did you win on um, that? For um, so uh, it was in Quayle, and then I got the um, Pendal. I should know because I got some money off. They gave me some money that um, Pendal. This this uh, Pendal uh, uh pen, pen award for uh. The Pen Robert J. Dow Short Story Prize for Emerging Writers. Yeah, so. And also, you appeared in Pen America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done that. It's weird. I've been involved with Pen America in different ways. It's way back. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, the story got a lot of attention. It's interesting you say that with the pens, because in revising it, I would go back, and I was like, and then that word kept coming up, the pens. And once or twice in significant moments where he says, the pens, or he just shrugs and says, the pens. And in looking at it, I was thinking, like, yo, Ray, Ray is just, um, there's so much uncertainty. Mm. There's so much uncertainty. Yeah. There's so much he doesn't know. And and there's... um Again, you don't mind if I spawn up the cigar, right? No, 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 You know, I probably, you know. They legal, they legal in New Jersey. <laughs> but, but see, um, yeah, so there's so much un- uncertainty. Um, and there's, um, what, what is it? Like, like there's uh, known unknowns and unknowns unknowns. And you remember when Rob, uh, where Rumsfeld says some mm-hmm. poem? And, but, and I think he knows that um, Raymond knows there's some known unknowns. He knows there's some things he doesn't know. Right. And he's navigating with that. So... It depends. It's essentially saying, I don't know, you know? I don't know. I, and well, that's, also, that's how I'm reading it after, like... Look. Right, right. You know, he doesn't know what to believe, but what he does know is that he wants to believe in something that makes him feel good. Mm, that's... You know? Um, that's, that's what I got from him. And I'm um, also... Ah, you know, I got so much of, like, having to negotiate. You know, Nino did a number on me, man. Okay, what do you think of Nino? Oh, I got this other one coming out. A Nino story? Because everybody knows a Nino. Everybody knows a Nino. What do you think of Nino? Nino, Nino, Nino is the type of dude that has a whole bunch of secrets. 
um, specific to each individual. And that's how he, he maintains control over that person. Mm. Like, yo, bro, really? If you, you know, if you don't do this for me, man, like, mess around, I'll tell them that, that time when you did this, this that, and the third. And, and, and you're like, bro, but like I thought we're friends. You know, and it's like he's using that to uh, get information. You know, like he... You know, he was trying to extort, if you will, uh, Ray Ray, you know, as his friends call him, when he witnessed Ray by the, by the homeless folks. You know I, know, I know you describe them as the bums, right? But, like, the homeless folks, the drug-addicted homeless folks. Um, and, and he knew that uh, Ray Ray would get in trouble because his stepfather didn't want him to be around there. But he told me, he was like, look, like, I won't tell them that, that I saw you there um, and you won't tell your mom that I came to visit Hilda, your babysitter, um, while she was babysitting you because then she would lose her job, right? So everything was a negotiation. Everything was a secret, mm. you know? And what's wild is like... Um, and he was also capitalizing off of his trauma, you know? It, I, I, think, I think Nino was also capitalizing from Ray Ray's... Um, like, he knew his, his points. Like, he brought up, you know, the dog... He brought, you know, the fact that you know, the dog that was missing, that he saw them in the street. Well, you know, I'm, I'm giving yeah. too much away. Nah, you know, for those, for those that yeah. haven't read this, this, this short story, you have to read it in order to understand this. Um, but it, it's really good, great pace. Man, I appreciate. It. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, th- it was interesting with that, um, because um, uh, you see, uh, Nilda, that with the novel that I'm working on now, um, that it opens up with. No, no, it actually opens up with Nino. With Nino, I think with Nino's story, yeah, it opens with Nino, and what happens is, in Nino's story, you see his interior life, mm-hmm. whatever is there, and it's the summertime, and um, he knows he's, he, um, this is, uh, so, without a big one happens in the wintertime, the first story, or the first chapter, is Nino, it's, it's called Nino's First Jones, and it's about his relationship with Nilda, Nilda's an older woman, she just does a number on him, mm-hmm. And you get this sense, you see that anger that you mentioned, the anger that's in you, the anger that's in me and a lot of right. us. We have as men, we have this anger. Yeah. And even the, the good guys or the guys that are walling out out there, there's this anger. And in that story, you see Nino's anger, but you also see his naivete. And then you see him, how he projects so much onto Nilda. Mm. Um, the same way, so then the first story is Nino and Nilda's the center. And if you look at Ray Ray, Nilda's also the center. And then there's a character called Gregorio, or Greg. Which is supposed to be her official, no, someone that she's secretly seeing. Right. And this is like the, 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 the I like to say like my qualities push to the extreme. He's a writer and that's his, he's the third story. And then the final um, chapter is Nelda. Then we hear Nelda's voice. Mm. And that's the piece that I've been working on. It's a, a black woman of color's voice. So there's a lot of like, I'm going into some uncharted territory. Right. And so I have to be careful, and I know I'll probably get shit You have to be careful. Let me tell you something. Yeah. One of the things I know about you is that yeah. you, you throw yourself out there to the yeah, lions. Bro. Yeah, bro. You know, obviously, you know, there's some real shit that as men we have to deal with, right? Um, but, but sometimes certain spaces um, are, are very challenging for men to, you know. So, so you navigate that space. I felt like, you know, there's not a lot of men that are doing what you're doing, that, that, that are putting themselves out there creatively and, and actually doing these panels and talking to women that really feel um, adamant and strongly about dismantling patriarchy. And you're out there, bro, and you're doing the work. And, you know, I appreciate that. Um, but, but, you know, you're careful, but you're also free about how you seek truth 
you know, and even in settings where the waters are, are you know, somewhat like oh, choppy, you know? Yeah, what I realize, man, sometimes it's just, and I'm not saying that like, I'm the most integral person, right, like, right, no, right. I'm not saying that I'm the most principled person, but it's good to have like one or two principles here and there where you stick to, right? because you realize everyone switches up. Wherever the temperature, really? they switch up. Or you remember Coney 2012? Coney 2012, when no, it was like, exactly. there was these like, it was like some, some, uh, some faction, some group, uh, I don't want to say a terrorist group, but some group on the West Africa, somewhere in West Africa, I think, and I, and I, somewhere in West Africa, right. they kidnapped these girls. Mm. And so then there was this big campaign, Coney 2012, it was like this documentary, but it was, it was, it was mostly through social media. Right. So then you had all these people to calling their senators and posting, oh, the U.S. needs to go in there and save these girls. Oh, yeah, so yeah, what yeah, they yeah. were promoting was U.S. interventionism. And I was saying, like, you guys don't get it. That's why I'm, That's why my family's not in the DR, is because the, the U.S. is getting involved in shit they don't belong with. I get they're suffering all over the world, but if we want them to save those girls in West Africa, in now 2012, that's just, this, this, is manif- this is manifest, this is like, Every this is what the U.S. does. They go around and start fucking shit up, and then they leave, and then they wash their hands, and they're like, "Oh, you know." Right. Um. So yeah, so people were really pushing for that. And I remember saying no, and people, oh, how could you say that? How could, and I was like, and then it died down. Mm-hmm. So nobody was really about U.S. interventionism in West Africa for right. these girls. It was just a thing to like save these little girls, save these little girls. Coney twenty, hashtag Coney twenty twelve, and I realized, oh, there's a lot of performance here, right? Same thing with the thing with um with Junior Junior's killers, right? People really don't consider how Junior's death was exploited right. by the police, right? By politicians, by, by a lot of people. They were using this boy's death, and not to diminish the suffering that his family went through. Yeah, it through. was terrible. It was, it was horrific. Tragic. I mean, right. the, it was like it's some horror movie shit yeah. that this shocked the conscience of anybody who saw the video. And those and I'm and. It was just horrific, and I feel right. for him and his family. However, when you have these images of him with the NYPD logo, and he's being shown in the Yankee Stadium, I mean, this is this is no accident. They're the powers that be, the people who want to keep things exactly the same, who want to reinforce the status quo, are using our son, our brother, our little cousin, our little friend's image, his death, to reinforce things and keep things the same, right? Right. And, and what did they do? Symbolic gestures. They named the street after him, all this other stuff. And, and what happened to the killers? And th- th- this is where it's at, considering the killers, right? All people became super involved and super preoccupied and concerned with these young uh, men. A lot of them were like 25. And, oh, that's a man. No, no. At 25, you don't know what the fuck. I don't care what yeah. anybody says. At 25, your average dude at 25 doesn't know shit, man. Um, but... Everyone just started talking about Junior after Junior said, oh, they need to get punished, they need a death penalty, yeah, they need this. Death penalty. A lot of people were saying death penalty around that time. You know, I don't want to cut you off, but but it's no, no, such no, 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 no. a, like, we love to compartmentalize, you know, our, our positions. Like, you know, we believe in prison reform, we believe in yeah, rehabilitation, exactly. but here you go. You know, and yes, like, it's taking nothing away from the actual incident. It was tragic. It was, it was horrendous, right? But, you know, also envisioning a life or a system, not a life, a system that focuses on rehabilitating these people and also questioning why do we have gangs? Why do we have gangs targeting other people in, in, in these neighborhoods? You know, what is it that 
you know, what is it that other countries have done to minimize crime? You know, because we don't we don't get to that conversation. We get to the oh, the the pot is boiling, it spills over, and then there, and then and then. Well, why don't you just lower the heat? How about that? You know, start from there. Yeah, it it, it was sensationalized um, in a way where obviously, uh, you know, the police were 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 looked at as a as as this like beacon of like protection and security. Um, but the reality is, you know, we need to push, you know, not to get all political, yeah. but you're right. Like, I can't be out here pushing for, you know, defunding the police. And all of a sudden something happens to someone that's close to me. And it would be hard. I would have to go to the mountains and have to grapple with that because I'm a yeah. human. Same I'm a human. Yeah, exactly. if, that's, you know, if that was to happen to someone that I love, I get it. It's, you know, I get it. One of the things that, that Bell Hooks said, says in that book is that one of the reasons why patriarchy continues to happen is because men, even though they're good men, they compartmentalize all the bad shit that they do and just focus on the good shit. We don't focus on Martin Luther King Jr., the cheater. No, no, no. We focus on Martin Luther King Jr., the speaker, the, the, the insightful speaker that he was, you know? We don't focus, you know, so as men, you know, we were, you know, we're in a system where we can compartmentalize, and I get it, to, and I know we're jumping from nah, that'll, that'll, police that'll. reform to patriarchy, but, but it's, you know, what, what resolves that, that conflict is we needing to, to stop compartmentalizing and really start living a life of integrity, which is, if this applies for this, it should apply for that. If I'm about stopping the oppression of black and brown folks, I should be about stopping the oppression of women. Mm. You know, if I'm if I'm against racism, I should be against uh, you know misogyny or or you know sexual you know anything that oppresses anybody. Again, it, it teaches you to like stop compartmentalizing things and really live off these principles of like you know what can humanity benefit from. Not, not, you know, taking your feelings aside. What can overall, an overarch of, of humanity, how can we create a better society? And not let that, not let your emotions, and it's hard, not let your emotions, you know, uh, dictate what you believe at a certain time because it benefits you, you know? And it's hard. And, you know, it takes trips to the mountain. Yeah, yeah. You know, it takes trips to the mountain for you to sit with yourself and be like, all right, you know, I understand I feel this way, but what is best for humanity? With, with those killers... They're, like you said, they're young. They're twenty five years old. You know, like I wonder. One nineteen. They're mostly twenty five. One was like nineteen. One was nineteen. I wonder what they've been through in their lives. But my thing is, um, and it goes back to what you the the bell hooks. I think it's chapter three or four. I was skimming, and she gets at the good guy, the good guy, the good man thing, and that's what's scary when it comes to sexual assault. When uh-huh. it comes to things, when it comes to things in general. This idea, when you hear, and, and, I'm, and I always say, when I, when I mention this in interviews, I say, I'm speaking to the good men here, to the good ones. Yeah. So they get the palomo, the hers, but igual, que no son de nada de nada. Yeah. I'm speaking to you. It's dangerous when you say, um, I'm on this side, I'm, I'm, I'm a good guy. Rapists and everyone else are on that side, right? So what happens is you're creating distance and there's no self-reflection there. What men need to understand is that the capacity to harm a woman uh, sexual assault, rape is in all men. It's in yeah. all of us, and it's in everyone. And I always ask men, I'm like, it's one thing right now. You ain't shit right now. You making for forty five a year. You got a hoopty. You you, you live in like 
you you know so there's there's a lot of good you're a moral person but is it because you're a moral person or is it because you're making 35,000 a year and you live in New York City and you pay half the rent with your girl so you need to be faithful to her because if not it's going to be critical right because right. her credit is better than yours right 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 right, right. or imagine yourself 10 years from now you got you got you have the power of a, a Jay-Z I always like to use this example. Not even I don't like disregard Jay Z. Imagine yourself you have the power of an R. Kelly, Harvey Weinstein, Thomas Jefferson. These are men who uh had so much power they were never held accountable. Now ask yourself, as a man, if you would never be held accountable mm-hmm. for killing a woman, raping a woman, what type of man would you be? You're gonna get away with it. Right. That's you're, well, you're well, gonna get away with it. What type of man would you be? So check so check this out. You know, in thinking about that, I've thought about yeah, because you know, you mentioned that before in our in our phone conversations, and yeah. you're right. Sometimes we feel as oh, we're not pushing women down, you know, we're, we're not rape, physically raping them, we're not assaulting them in that way, like you know, I don't have any work to do. But, you know, it, reality is, and that's a, a good question, if you can get away with it, what would you be able to do? That's Maybe scary. you're not raping women because you can't get away with it. But you know what you can get away with? Making a woman feel bad that sh- that, that that you have blue balls and now she's... Yo, talk and about that, it. And that, and that she's the one and now you make her feel like you're the reason why I am not sexually satisfied right now. So. Or, or let me just put the tip in. You know? and that's the scary. That's you know, th- the that's scary. You could possibly get away with that, but that's what you're doing. That's that's coercion. It is yeah, coercion. It is coercion. And the, the and, and that's the thing there. Um, what was the other point you made? Um, before the tip and the the um the, the blue balls. Oh, the blue because this I, I call it like whether it's an explosion or an implosion, you're still left with rubble and destruction. Right, right. So I call the and I've been guilty of that. Where it's like, oh, I want to lose. Oh, now I'm not in the mood. Oh no, or now like last word, you're ready to go. You're naked, and then last she changes her mind, and then you're like, diablo, tato. Now whatever, boom. But I'm yeah. sulking in a corner or whatever. Exactly. My arms crossed, and right. then it's awkward the whole night. Then the next thing, and then da-da-da-da. and then because I don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation. I, 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 we talk little by little, but the text becomes shorter and shorter. So it's almost like this gradual ghosting. And I'm not even realizing that I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I don't want to have an adult conversation with a woman saying, you know what? Um, you know, I felt some kind of way, whatever. Or, or being straight up. Like, right. the one I have to say, I just felt a certain way. Right. Or being like, you know what? Maybe it's not going to work out. Maybe uh, going about as an adult, speaking to a woman as a, as a grown man, look. This made me feel a certain type yeah. of way, and apologizing. Yo, I was sulking. Yeah, if I shouldn't do that, right? And that's, and that's not your fault, because you know maybe I put myself in that situation, okay, not knowing whether you wanted to have sex or not. So now me exactly. putting the blame. No, if you got blue balls, bro, bro like you know, nine it, times out of ten, it's your fault, bro. It's like dating. The dating scene is ritual, ritualistic, right? But what you notice in most rituals, there's a pattern, certain patterns, certain codes, and it's not that we need to be in a box. But what we do need is some kind of some protocols and the not even one protocol, which is like communication It's just straight up. Yo, this is what's going to happen. Are we going to do it? Is this are are you interested in me in that way? When it comes to that point. Right. Right. Don't like try to read and try to do this. And because you're paying for this and paying for that. And she said that. And because she sent you a titty pic and because she did that and because you sexting. Those has nothing to do with it. Like it comes from the from the point of view. As if um, yeah, women as property. Yeah, women as property. Like I, you know, oh, you're ordering from that side of the menu. Mm. Okay. That lobster, lobster price. Okay. 
Okay. It's like, it's like cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah, you're cha-ching. just like, you're yeah. around. Um, and, then, and then if you don't get it, you feel as if, um, oh, you've been bamboozled. Like someone just took money out of your pocket, you know, right. unjustly, right? And reality is, bro, like, you know, you're living under this patriarchal thought frame, which, which continues to see women as property. And, you know, it's not to say that only men. Yeah. Are, are participating in this structure, uh-huh. you know, obviously, you know, let's talk about it, you know, also women may participate into this structure, you know, oh, yeah. so, but, you know, just speaking on the sexual assault, there's so much that we need to understand as men, because I, you know, look, I think most men are not physical rapists, yeah. but I do know that most men do rapey shit, yeah. <laughs> they do rapey shit, you know, they, you know, whether you're lying to someone, you know, uh, misrepresenting yourself to someone. And you just made me think of, oh, I may destroy you. Oh, I may destroy you, bro. I love yeah, that TV series. Spo- spoiler she's, alert. Just spoiler alert. You know, she's amazing, bro. With Kwame, with the gay brother, misrepresenting yourself, where it's right. sort of like... Oh, oh, oh like, hold on. On the last episode? Um, misrepresenting himself is what? Because he... Oh, I've, seen, I've seen the whole... You saw this whole season? I yeah. Saw, um, so is it the whole season or we're up to date? Because I don't think the whole season is done. It's not. I think we're up to date. We're we're on five. Se- we're on five uh, episodes. I think. Well, I've seen everything online. Oh, I think online. Oh, so, oh, so no, no, I like seen it, it through HBO. Yeah, no, no, I seen it. You crazy? I paid HBO twice the price. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I seen. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, that means that's that. Oh, okay, I'm a little ahead. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Just shot himself out. <laughs> no, no, bro, oh, I'm on. Look, I'm watching you, you it. You recommended it, way. so I'm like, I'm like I recommended it. But I'm watching it, you know. I've seen that shit with some you know, and British I loved, logo and shit. I loved how she's educating the masses. You know why? Because rape is not just, like, physical. There's nuances to this. It's not a one-time event. It's not. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, just, like, how many men don't think that you taking off your condom without the person's consent Yo, is not considered bro, you somewhat see, rape? Weird, you know, I, bro. I have to look that, at the law really here in New York. But but you know um, that shit cr- that's you talking about trigger for me I was like what the fuck <laughs> is he doing bro like yes I look yeah during Yo. sex he takes off his condom and the question is so she considers him a rapist because I think in the UK the law makes it a misdemeanor for you to do that that's so so again it's like you know we have to be aware I remember a while ago you know I, I, by the way Michaela Coel phenomenon she's amazing brilliant writer yeah brilliant writer. Um, you know, uh, UK, uh, you know, uh, black, um, I, I believe she's from Ghana, um, UK, uh, you know, writer, actress, um, very triggering, you know, and it's not only about, you know, how men fuck up, you know, she presented also the other side mm-hmm. about how, you know, in, in, in one of the episodes, spoiler alert, you know, the white woman falsely accuses... Uh the man of rape, you know? So she's, she's really bringing it home. Yeah, and, you know, and I appreciate the she's writing. She's complicating it. She's it's complicated because life is complicated, man. Life is complicated. People are complicated. But um, that we need to educate ourselves in knowing what's appropriate. And again, we don't know. It's like a moving target. Like sometimes the public tells us what's appropriate. Yeah, sometimes exactly. the law tells us what's appropriate. You know, I remember a few years back, I read a New York Times article uh, that they surveyed college students at a certain university and I think it was like 70 something percent of men did not know that if you engaged in sex when with with another with with a woman right 
um, while you were inebriated, but she was also inebriated, you can still be there arrested for sexual assault. That's valuable. There's, there's that information, just knowing, just knowledge, just ignorance. Um, but there's also um, identifying where you're at, right? So um, what's happening now, like straight up, like straight men are just being shitted on straight up with, with good reason. But what you'll have is... Um, an explanation on rape is wrong, this is wrong, gaslighting, and you get a list of it, right? right. Sisters will tell you the list of how they would... Because what's happening is that the same way you have men saying, oh, this bitch is that, and this bitch is that. So you're reducing... Right. So they become this one thing. Right. The bitch, and the yeah. bitch is that. Yeah. Not your sister, not your mother, not the neighbor, not only the... the oh, and I was with these bitches or whatever. The right. same way a lot of men have reduced women to that, or oh, that bitch, oh, that, oh, he's with that bitch. Da, 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 da. What's happening is... We're being reduced. That's okay. This is what cis, uh, uh, cis straight males are. This is right. what we're being re- we're boxed in in that. Right. And a lot of men are feeling, but I'm not. But I don't do that. But I don't do that. I don't do number two and number three and number four. It's like don't worry about number two, number three, number four. Worry about the things you're doing. Exactly. What is that you're doing? Right. You're doing sussy shit. If you're selling dreams to try to get ass. Yeah. If you're doing that. If you're doing the imploding thing, soaking in a corner when she doesn't have sex with you. If um. If she flirts with you a little bit or, or, or shows any sign that there's a possibility I might hang out, dogs, that doesn't guarantee anything. Right. Like, where are you coming from, you know? Right. Um, if, if straight up, if you're just sexually attractive to a woman, just be straight up with it. Yo, yeah. you'd be so proud. Like, yo, you'd be so proud. Because yeah. that's another thing. What patriarchy has us, has us doing a lot of ways is that we tend to think, or at least for, I can speak for myself. Like, in this, it took years, but I realized there's been certain situations where I've been like, yo... I bagged this girl, whatever. No, no, she bagged yeah, me. She bagged you, bro. You understand? Yeah. Okay, so like, and you're thinking, you look back, it's almost like, um, what is it? The ending of Sixth Sense or something. Yeah. <laughs> you're putting the, oh, she set me up. Right. So, but that's because, that's patriarchy. Yeah, that's and patriarchy. Thinking, oh, no, they're not even innocent or whatever. Right. I'm the one that's, I'm the one that's the decision I'm maker seducing, here. I'm seducing I'm the one that's her. seducing. Right, 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 right. And some yeah. women play the, the DOS. There's a lot of performance and like, um, th- see, there's, there's a lot there. it's layered man it's, it's, layered. it's layered and that's why you can't just put a blanket over it and you know and, and you uh, sometimes and you know I know people hate it when I say it but in the law it's, it's you know every case is different mm. every case is different you know um, I've seen cases where there's very hardcore evidence that the person has committed the crime and I also see cases where uh, there's evidence that he was set up you know so it's it's very it's very complicated and some cases where it's gray and you think to yourself, oh, we need to do a better job of educating our men because we have been doing some fucked up shit. Um, you know, and it's not only in sex, man. It's it's also, you know, uh, taking credit for what women do in the, you know, in the corporate you spaces, you know, not allowing them or like hijacking their ideas, you know, like saying what they're saying, but in a louder voice, mm, you know, like, yeah. come on, man. Like, it's um. And, it, and it's all connected, with, whether it be like um, the, the little boys or the, or the stories that I'm telling, which have to do with re, really reflection, and right. really reflect, and especially on, on the tip of your mother's tongue. I don't know if you see the structure, but it's like child, maybe young adult 20s, and then as a, a late twi- later 20s, and there's literally a reflection. The, the speaker is like in the, tra- I don't know if you got to read it, but he's in the training. He looks like he sees his reflection. Yeah. So all this thing about the mother, but then it ends with him. You have to reflect yourself, right? Right. So there's that, whether it be with patriarchy or with hooks, you need to reflect, you need to work on yourself. Um, when it comes to, to junior, um, taking a step back before these young men become these quote unquote savages and murderers, 
what are we doing? What, what are we providing right. for them? What right. are we doing for them? And that requires for them to reflect. Exactly. Um, yes, and, and sexual assault and all that. Just really, there, there has to be a lot of reflection on men because what happens with a lot of men is that um, um, they have interiorized, but they don't realize that they have interiorized. Right. So there's a lot of stuff going on in there, but it's not processed or dealt with in any real way. And it's almost like a nuclear reactor. You don't even know, but it's flammable. One day it just explodes. Right. You know, like it was, oh, and Hooks talks about yeah, that. Yeah, Hooks, Hooks talks about, you know, that, that they're, you know, we We're talking about a, a, a will to change, right? Yeah, a, a will, will, will to change. I think it's um, somewhere on my bookshelf. Uh, should be up there. We'll, yeah. We'll give the full name, yeah. but it's her it's her latest book. Uh, men um, Love and Masculinity. Bro. Oh, man. She, you know, that, that's the first book where, not the first book, but that's a book that really hits home bringing love into the, fe- I mean, bringing men into the feminist movement. And she does it uh, by encouraging everyone to, like, take a look in the mirror and also practice in reconciliation, mm-hmm. you know, because like you said, like, a lot of a lot of men have trauma in their lives, but they're not encouraged to talk about it. They're not encouraged to resolve it. So it's, it's you know, this reconciliation of, of like, really um, understanding the wrong that they did can help them as well. You know, not only help the, the, the person that they, that they terrorized, but it would help them as well. And that's the whole point of rehabilitation, so that they don't yeah. continue to commit the crime. Exactly. Right? So, you know, so that we can have a more just, you know, society. And, and, and you know, and then he can teach that other person that kind of thought like him. But, um, you know, and look, I don't know what the numbers are, but I, I think the numbers are pretty high that a lot of abusers were once victims. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's like, what is it, you know, do, does that mean that we have to, like, provide more education, um, especially amongst poor communities where 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 patriarchy, it, you know, r- runs rampant? Um, and it runs in a, in a physical sense because think about that young man that that, uh, that goes to work and is exploited by his, his, um, his employer. And, and, and he's treated like shit by his yeah. employer. They treat him, you know, disrespectfully. He has no power, what you know, at all in that employee employer situation. And then, how is the only way he can feel that he is a man by going home and exerting that same disrespectfulness, condemnation to his wife and his children? Domination. Domination. You know, uh, because of the sixth sense of what it is to be a man. And and a lot of it, some of it also is like. I mean, and Jason, it's, it's, I feel bad for brothers like um, Luis Alejandro Tapia. He does a lot of great work. Um, Jason Rosario, mm-hmm. where they, these brothers have been doing the work. They've been yeah. trying. He's, they've been with a bull. Oh, shit is, oh, shit is bad. They've been telling us for a long yeah. time. So I feel for them because it's almost like, I know they must be like, on your mind. Like, I've been fucking telling you. Like, that's, that's their life's work. Right. And then this blows up and it's kind of like that. like... A lot of us haven't. I don't think I've... I mean, I've seen a lot of his episodes, but a lot of us haven't really been listening to brothers like Lewis and Jason, you know, real... And not, well, I think we have been listening, but we listen to and pay attention to people like that as an event. But this is a gradual thing. Like, we should be looking out for what their content and what they're putting they're out con- regularly. Right, right. And, you know, and, and it can range from, like, um, you know, speaking out against um, domestic violence to... Um, you know, creating space for, for women. Like, I remember, you know, I went the other day, I went with my girlfriend who was an intelligent, beautiful young woman. And I don't have to say beautiful, you know, but but she she is. Um, and I remember uh, I, I met this, you know, a friend from back in the day. And, and he was there with his girlfriend. And he, he said hi, but he didn't really even acknowledge 
or didn't even introduce me to his, his, his woman companion. Um, and, and it was like, no, let, like we're all humans. Like, let's make this conversation a whole conversation, not just by not just dictated by the men in this, you know, in this space. Um, and, you know, it can it can go as little as that, you know, and you see it, these microaggressions against women, you know. Um, Another example that I've seen, like, and I try to tell this to teenagers, like, I teach the Oh, no, no, well, especially with black and brown men and or young men, when I see them and I know that they're chilling in the corner, I tell them, you have to be careful. An example I give them is that when you go, let's say you go to your block, you pop up on a block and you see a woman you haven't seen, a lot of times your first thought is going to be, or I ask them, what's your first thought? And they'll say random stuff and I go, you know what your really first thought is? When you go to the block, you see your boys and you see a woman you don't know or who she's fucking, who she's with, mm -hmm. who's a man. So you want to know who's, which man she's attached to. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. and then like, oh, she belongs no. to someone. She can't stand Property. it on her own. Right. Property. Right. So it's on it, and it, and it's, it's interesting because they reflect in the front. They'll be like, nah, nah, nah. But they, but at least I planted that seed. Okay, consider that when you come across women, you need to greet them as in, these are human beings. It's crazy. You have to tell that to people. But think about think about how, how some men just even uh, describe having sex with women. Oh yeah, you know I fucked her. You, you know fucked fuck, like and, you and, know. And, you know, like, like, what do you do? Like, Bell Hooks says it, you know, and we, you know, we should be getting paid by Bell Hooks uh, agent right now. I know, but but right listen, you know, we're just trying to spread awareness and knowledge, right? And she's doing it in a way where she's not attacking men, but she's also putting them to the fire, you know? And, um, and, and she says, like, we use fuck, like, if, if I was to fuck this person, you know, like in a conversation or like in a business dealing is because I, I, I got over you know, but, but, but is that in all sense. about love or is that in will to change? That's that's in will to change. That's what's okay, okay. That's will to change. Yeah, it's crazy how we just yeah. fuck. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but but when it comes to having sex with women, oh yeah, we fucked as if, as if like, you know, and then we become outraged when we see the combination of sex and violence at the same time. You know, you know, we fucked that person up. You know, but like, oh, but like we we fucked. We had sex. It's not supposed to you know, uh, bring in that, that violent element when we use it in every other context to describe a violent experience? What's getting to... That, that word... Not, I mean, that's something I need to consider and reflect on. Just the way we, uh, I use the word fuck or, or people around me use the word fuck. But what's really getting to me is the bitch, man. Bitch this, mm. bitch that. Because yeah. I could introduce you to some brothers and, yo, those, they down to earth. They have their partner. I think that some, uh, there's one in particular that's going through this spiritual change and doing a good, overall good dude. But you talk to him, he's like, nah, we went and nah, it was a few bitches there, but da da da. Mm -hmm. Oh, nah, that bitch was da da da. And then you say his wife's name, or you say his mother's name, or his sister's name, or the neighbor's name. And they go, yeah, but that other bitch, and yeah. da, da. And it's sort of like, and, and, and what's difficult is um, when you speak to people that you've grown up with. And it gets tense. And there's always the... Well, I want people, uh, women in particular, or not even, just people in general to understand the potential for violence when you're dealing with, with men in general. Even someone... I'm not... I, I avoid fights or what? I, I, I avoid it, right? Mm -hmm. However, when it comes... When you're holding another man accountable, those, there's the potential for violence is there. And it might not pop off. It might not fight. But then there's a tension there and then there's an awkwardness there. Right. And there's like... And because we don't deal with our feelings and we don't talk yeah. about things, it just becomes, you just suppress it and then the relationship's not the same. And there's a little like, oh, yeah, yeah. fuck with him, pero tu sabes. Yeah, yeah, but he's a little shady or whatever. Just and be, it's like, why, why, I was why just telling you not to use bitch here yeah. and there. Right? Why just not to, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and my thing is like, I remember growing up feeling that 
you know, when I was young, I was able to express myself mm. anyway, right? But I remember it, it hit like school age where, you know, y- the, the young boys around me and myself included uh, were, were just like limited in vocabulary, Good like in limited in expression, you know, because you were called names for it. And a lot of it has to do with this fucking homophobic culture that we come out of, right? That, you know, if you express too much, you're gay. You're gay, you know, as if, as if, you know, as if being gay is a wrong thing. But, like, a person can be who they are. A whole person be able to describe what he's going through without fitting into, like, your little bullshit stereotype. And and, and we have to be careful because all of us, and we're, uh, that's another thing to consider. And people don't want to hear this, but it's a truth. We're all complicit. Right. And the way things are, there's a reason why th- things are. I've called, I've called young boys' names all the time. And you know, like even even as a young adult, like you know, like if someone was acting, you know, if one of my male friends I feel wasn't doing something and he was, uh, you know, catering too much to his feelings, I would get at him. I was like, yo, bro, like get man up, man up. And this man is up. recent. Man up. They, this is recent. But you know, there's work to do. But that's the, the programming is there. Something that happens to is sort of like. Because of this new wave, because I call it waves when it comes to like, uh, right now is this sexual assault. It's almost like this. All these things are happening mm-hmm. uh, in the Dominican diaspora bubble. We're having these discussions. Sisters right, are course. fucking angry. They're yeah. calling men now. They're forcing men to speak about it right. amongst ourselves. Right? Um, we have well, a, we have a good friend in common that just went through right, experience, right? Yeah, Lorraine's experience, right? Yes. Um, and uh, what I what read I, her book, by the way, Lorraine's book is Mal, awesome. Malcriada. Malcriada. And so, liked so, it a lot. And um, the the opening story, um, I actually wrote, uh, uh, which has been rejected three times, but I wrote this, this essay on comparing my, my the opening story Malcriada with um, with uh, Edwidge Tantacat's um, Children of the Sea, mm. which has to do with a boat, but Haiti and DR within. It. I see the similarities. I'm, I haven't spoken to Lorraine, but I imagine she's she's influenced by influenced by Edwidge Tantacat. So I just wanted to say that right, right. that essay's been rejected a few times. Um, <laughs> but um, what the hell was we talking? What were we talking so, about? So we were talking about um, just like you know that that the women are upset and uh, you know. Well, I was saying that um, we're all complicit in it, and in right. that complicity, there's language, right? So you'll hear sisters, a lot of sisters, and men too. But I'm hearing all this. Oh, we need real men to have real discussion. That's a real man. When you say real man, implicit in that that this you're saying that there's such thing as a fake man right. or a soft man right. or and because the subtext really is, and this is the truth is, um, and this is because of history because we're fucking monkeys with language and ideas, but we're monkeys. Um, when you say real man, what you're really saying is that a man who can protect me, in some way, who's gonna confront. Whatever dangers out there, who's gonna protect me? Right. Not even provide, right? Because there's we know situations where the sisters who make the bread are doing everything, they run shit, and they have a dude there, and you look at the dynamics, the power, you're like, the thing, what's up? But like, she's the she's the Beyonce, she's right. the lead singer, she's doing everything, and he's just playing the tambourine like yeah. that, Chris yeah, Rock, yeah, yeah, Chris Rock, yeah, yeah, yeah. special, yeah. right? Um, and it's sort of like sometimes oh. you gotta play the tambourine, but but the their way is just. They could just slam somebody. So that's a real man. Right. When you're saying real man, you're talking about the a man que te puede traer who's gonna defend, right? Exactly. And that's necessary too. That's and I, that, that, I think that's that's an architect, the warrior architect. Some brothers who are that, and it's unfortunate. Like are, are we at war? You know, I don't even know if that's necessary. Are we at war right now? Are uh, we hunting? I, 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 I think we are. I don't know if we're hunting, but I think we are at war. Because um, so a lot of sisters are saying they don't feel protected, and they're right to not feel protected, right? Um, 
And because a lot of the brothers who would be, uh, it's one thing if I come to the defense to a woman, but I'm going to get other people. It's gonna, but it's one thing with a man who takes up physically, physical space in his brolic to stand up for a woman, to stand up for, for, for our people, right? Right. Because what hap- what's happening with a lot of our warriors, they either go to the army or they join the NYPD or they like, so it's almost like they're taking the warriors from our communities and these warriors, our own black and brown Dominican men, are freaking, are, are warriors for the other side. Right. But they're not war- They're not there from when I go down and I tell a, a childhood friend, yo, bro, the music, dog, is two in the morning, is a Monday, and then that becomes tension and then, me and that person don't even talk anymore because it becomes a thing because he felt called out and there's a tension there. And when I walk with my girl and my daughter, I, it, it, there's a thing there right. just because I approached one-on-one. But there wasn't a dude there that has maybe a lot more physical space, the alpha in that particular corner, to step or the OG to step in and be like, you know what? Yo, he's he's, he's coming at you with respect. But not, it's almost, like, oh, he thinks he's, he's above than me or whatever, right? right? So... Yeah, the point I'm making is I think that um, there's a lot of our warriors that are just not on our side, right? I, I think I think it's probably because most of the warriors or the alpha male types that they would like to describe warriors, they're actually benefiting a lot from patriarchal society. You know, like it, it is easy to to say that we don't agree with patriarchy, but we benefit from it. Yeah, we benefit from it. You know, like. You know, you know what you do in your little relationships. You know how you use uh, money to persuade. You know what is it? You know, um, you can get it. You know, th- there was a saying: you can get away with a lot if you're the one that's buying the drinks. Sheesh. You know, that's again, that's uh, that's patriarchy. There's there's many different ways. You know, or even or even you know when it comes to like working. Um, you know, if, like if you're in a corporate space, at some point it's like you, you want to get ahead, and even though you don't believe in patriarchy. You just have to get ahead, and it just so happens that you do it at an exp- you know at the expense of a of a woman. If she happens to be the obstacle, you're doing it at the expense of a woman because you're just trying to you know get ahead. Which brings us to another conversation: is capitalism and patriarchy. Mm. You know, the economy, or the market has always dictated, has influenced our relationships, our friendships. You know, so you know, is it now that? Um, you know, now because women also are edu- are educated and um, graduating at higher rates, are we reacting to that? And we're saying, you know what, we don't need men to 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 make money because women are making money. That that, that doesn't make a real man. But are we reacting to the system, mm. to the market, or are we really believing it? That's interesting you say that because it's almost like um you set these this criteria. This is what a real man is. And when you see a whole bunch of women meeting that criteria, going above and beyond that, then what does it mean to be a man? So it yeah. turns out that our criteria, definition of a man, has been completely, it's been way off. Yeah. No, I don't even know if it's way off, man. I think, I think we're controlled by what we have to do to survive. Like, like, like if we were, like, if we were back in the days, you know, we were hunters, you know, obviously as a hunter, you would probably get more props, more credit because I'm the one that's out there, you know, um, um, you know, risking my life to capture this wild animal. No, we good, we good. Here we go. Here we go. The mic is like falling down. But, um, you know, so that created, that changed the power dynamic because now in order for you to get fed, you have to rely on me. So... And, you know, then times that, you know, whatever, where in 1950s where mostly men were going yeah. to work and, and women were staying home. 
um, a real man was still considered the provider. You know, I've, I remember, you know, I had a, a friend who had a father who would provide but never said, I love you. And, and whenever he would talk to his mother about that, who, who was a, a stay-at-home um, wife, um, she would say, well, he's, he's a man. Like, he's, he's providing. You should be grateful that he's providing. We have this, this you know, this roof. We have yeah. this food on our table because of this man. You know, be appreciative. Stop focusing on the negative. As if, as if like, we have to accept this person. You know, and, and but now that's not acceptable. Now um, it's like, no, you have to be a whole person. That's your dog's person. And you know what? And I like it. And oh, I like you it. like it, yo. Those I find it hard. Being a complete human being bro, is difficult, bro. Bro, yo, yo, let me tell you something, yo. If I don't, if I don't have to like worry, you know, like, like make me think about there's, there's a lot of shit that I didn't want to really think about that I don't have to think about because I found an equal. Uh, you know, and I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Again, you have to understand. I was raised with very strong, hardcore women that put me in my place. In the, that I, I, I got you, I got you. My thing is this, I'm almost, I'm almost not... You're almost like down to James Baldwin, Baldwin can't do that. The, the shit is that, how do I put this? Um, so, if you look at the dynamics in my relationship, or not even that, like, it's just my with my daughter, right? Because I'm a teacher, because of my schedule, because I have summers off, I have my daughter's schedule. Talks, I'm with my daughter everywhere. And I'm and my personality type, I'm super patient with high school kids. Where I like kids, you're gonna suck my dick, fuck you, whatever. And I'm just like, do something, you know. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> but um, so I have a patience, right? So I'm I'm not, I'm very nurturing, very like my um. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I, I like a lot of the motherly roles. I'm doing with my daughter. Yeah, yeah let me help. Yeah, yeah, get a beer, bro. Need to get a little child, so not get canceled. I say some wild. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's getting cancer, man. Nobody's getting cancer. So, yeah, so, but what's interesting is that I like the father role and I'm super nurturing mm -hmm. and I think I contribute to my relationship in that way. But there's times where I'm just like, it's just, como te digo? And yeah, there's nothing wrong. I think I'm, I'm doing a lot better. I think my relationship right now, I'm doing maybe like 40% and my growth 60%. Mm. So, and, but it, but this, that's progress. So, it goes your ways up, right? So, and you know, and that could be just for the time. You know, like maybe, maybe you know, next month it, it will change. The question is whether you're open to that change. Oh. Right. I'm open to it, but I and I tell brothers too, don't. If you're gonna do some do something, do it with your full heart, because other otherwise you you hold resentment if it's not coming from a good place. For example, there's been especially beef, like you know you grow you learn, but a few years ago I would clean up and. Do the dishes and do the and clean the bathtub because I'm home and right. she, my partner's at work. It's summertime with my daughter, so I take my daughter to the park, make sure she eats, read, write. Uh, now I don't do that all the time, but there's days where I feel like I hit everything, I hit the mark, and I'm the man. And dogs and my girl come home, and if because it's not a mess, she doesn't acknowledge it. <laughs> so I'm thinking like, what the? F so then I become resentful. Right. But the issue is that when she does that, I'm not. So I'm not. When she does it, and when she does it, she takes like fucking half the time, does it better. It's because she knows she, she was a domestic. She has control. She was maybe raised to do that, and she's just a conscientious person. So what's difficult for me is like when I get those flashes or that voice. I call it the old Dominican man inside where he goes, yeah. Yeah, tu ser un palo, mira te flejando. Yeah. Oh, mira, tu, oh, mira, mira, tu, 
And it comes natural to me. Being right. a father, being nurturing, and those motherly characteristics that you see with women, comes easy to me with my daughter. No, it would, with children in general. However, there's still that voice inside me where we're cross, we're sort of like, bro, 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 let me tell you something, man. I was raised in, you know, my mother's an amazing woman. Obviously, she was a product of patriarchal culture. But when I was nine years old, I think that was the first time I uh, started t- talking to a young female classmate. Okay. Um, That's like fourth grade, phone, nine. fourth grade on the phone. You know, we had the cord phones, whatever. So, and and, and some homes just had one phone. Mm-hmm. Two of you were lucky, right? So I remember my mother looked at me one time sideways and told me, "Tú tienes media hora hablando con esa muchachita. Tú estás oficial. Tú no estás oficial. Wow. Tú sabes que las hembras no les gustan cuando los muchachos están oficial." As if, like, don't ever suffocate yourself for a woman because that's not manly, you know? And honestly, again, she was a product of her oh, environment. Right. But that's how it starts. You know, that's how it starts. Oh, you know, you know, but, but even right now, my, my girlfriend told me this. She said that, you know, there was a way where I would express emotion that I truly felt about her, whether it was me acknowledging her presence, her beauty, her insight, um, how much she meant she means to me. Sometimes I would do it in a joking manner. Yeah, there you go. In a joking manner. She was like, but why do you have to joke about it? Why can't you just say it and own up to what you're saying? And I was like, nah, because you don't say palomo, you don't say palomo. It's like you compliment, then you try to like joke on it. I'm still a man, but I just want to let you know, like, you know, this, that, and the third. And it's it's like, okay, like, I I see that. So, you know, my, 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 my evolution has been to be expressive. But, you know, I've gone to, like, really not expressing as much to, like, expressing with joking Mm. tendencies to hopefully now just expressing myself as is. I'm trying to get there. I still got a lot of work to do. No, I'm listening. Progress, bro. Progress. Then there's times where um, there's being affectionate and then there's being jokey, right? Because... Sometimes I'll be affectionate, and then sometimes I'll be, um, I think I'm being affectionate, but all I'm doing is just, like, smacking her ass or hugging her out the <laughs> Like I'm just fucking around. I'm just, like, fucking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not, it, there's a difference. And she she knows, so sometimes I'll be, oh, yo, you don't like it. She's like, yo, you're not, you're not being affectionate. You're just, like, fucking around with me. You're just, like, messing with me. And there's a difference there, right? Mm. So... Yeah, something. I'm in the, you said the word evolving. I'm, right. I'm in that process too, where it's sort of like being gen, being like being re, just being vulnerable and being open. Right. And right. bro, that shit is hard, bro. That Super shit is hard, man. Super hard. And you know, it's oh man, I, I swear we need to get a check from Bell Hooks, man. But uh, <laughs> Hooks again. But Hooks again. I'm gonna I'm bring something up about Bell Hooks to see if, to see what you how you're gonna react. Oh, like with the whole Beyonce thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up on this. She yeah. criticized Beyonce, but you know, Beyonce a terrorist. And, and she called Beyonce a terrorist. I think they just, I think it's or the brand or the, or the, the brand image, is terrorist. And, and you know what? And I've been on a mountain for the past week, so I don't know too much because I know okay. Beyonce came out with a video that's very. Oh, but this is old. This is old. I don't know. I know it's oh. I, I, like I know it's old, but I don't know how Beyonce has either considered that critique or if this video, you know, says anything to that. Um, but I've had arguments with with women you know women that I respect in my life mm-hmm. and would think as Beyonce as is like this ultimate woman um, and I was like you know but she there's been songs that she's promoted patriarchy I think the first song that I heard that Beyonce did was Bills 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 mm. 
If you can't pay my bills, my but, telephone I, bill. But I argue even before that, because when again hooks again, this is the hooks the hooks podcast. But um, when she she doesn't call it patriarchy, she calls it white capitalistic paid. Like she has this whole yeah. this whole oh, thing yeah, for yeah. it. It's like a full so, sentence but description. Yeah. But that but the issue is that Beyonce, Jay Z, they're winners. They're winners in capitalism. Of course. And there's this cognitive dissonance where. You'd be surprised how a lot of the in the beehive they're probably by the poverty line below the poverty line, and it's sort of like I understand you can appreciate that, but they're winners in capitalism. Right. And if you want to look at the big picture, you want to talk about the one person. I, I, I don't know. But what I'm saying, I'm something that will get me attacked by the beehive. <laughs> I don't want to get attacked by the beehive. <laughs> but what, what I'm saying is that um, come on, there you go. She's not the the the, for example, for. The, my daughter, right? I would question my daughter being obsessed with Beyonce. Right. Not well, because you know, of any imagery or anything, just because they're winners in capitalism, right? So, and it's... Como te digo? Oh, you fuck with Fran Lebowitz? Fran Lebowitz, she's a writer, comedian, this Jews, Jewish lesbian woman. She's brilliant. No, no, yeah. That, is she on but, Netflix? Oh, no, no. Yeah, is, uh, Martin Scorsese did a documentary on her, which is really good. She's funny. It's like dry humor, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But she made a point when she was talking about Bloomberg, and she said something like, yo, you don't become a billionaire by earning it and working hard. You become a billionaire by stealing. Mm. And you could deconstruct that in any way, right? Bro, so that's a deeper I, conversation, man, because capitalism, meritocracy is a farce. That's bullshit, bro. And the more white spaces you're in, yep. the more you, you realize. realize. You're like, oh, right, shit, right, 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 right. this is just connects. On, on Beyonce, as far as feminism and, and bell hooks, all I'm saying is, even if she's done things in the past that reinforces patriarchy, everyone has, um, everyone should have the space to grow. And I think Beyonce has grown, okay. and she's been using her platform, for the most part, in a positive way to inspire women in many different ways, yeah, ways yeah. that I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but as far as capitalism is yeah. concerned, that's a different beast. That's a different beast, man. And. Um, and I'm complicit and don't get me I'm complicit in it too I'm guilty too, you know? I'm, I'm just not as good too. as Beyonce I'm not as smart right. and talented right right I'm complicit too and 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 maybe you know and, and patriarchy is also tied into probably why I'm complicit you know like mm. you know in, in, in many Latino cultures you know the man was ex- expected to, to, to provide he spoke about one of the reasons why I admired what you do um, and, then, and then you spoke about oh yeah but, but you know you went to law school you did this that's what's up, that's commendable. And I was like, yeah, but that could have also been driven by mis- misogyny. My idea of like having to provide, right, and participate in capitalism was my way of feeling that, okay, I'm doing something that a man is supposed to do. You know, it doesn't matter if I compromise you know, certain creative journeys that I, I probably would have, uh, you know, enjoyed better. Your mental health, too. My mental like... health. I'm sure there's casualties mm-hmm. of my success. Let's not be, you know, let's not, I don't want to be here and be like, every dollar that I've made, I, I earned every dollar. Like, that's that bullshit. A friend of mine just DM'd me, and um, I guess she was responding to uh, Trump's tweet about low-income housing in suburbs. Oh, yeah. And I said, well, you know, the thing, the problem is... That a lot of people think that they deserve every dollar that they get, especially the the rich, right? And when you know we live in a country where tax policies burden the middle class and the poor, you know, okay. burden the middle class, right? And that trickles down, right? Um, and and favors the rich. Um, so over the years, you've seen 
um, inequity, income inequity, the gap widened due to these tax breaks that these, that these corporations and, and the top five, top 1% get, you know, and what's happening? You know, no, it's, it's not it's, like it's not yeah. like we're all getting basic necessities. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not like the money's going to healthcare or to education. So, so now you want to like brag about you got this job because of hard work uh, when you went to a school district um, that the real estate taxes were higher because you were able to afford a house. And the reason that your parents were able to afford this house is because they got this same education. And you know, it's a vicious cycle. But the, you know what's great? You're saying this, and everyone agrees with. Like, I, I could see a lot of. Your average person in the Heights agree with you, but then something happens when they'll move to the suburbs, and then it's almost they look back and they're like, oh, but why don't they get out the hood, and why do they live that way? And like, so it's almost like the, 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 the class consciousness, oh, like, right? And that's, and, and, but you know what's crazy? Um, I mean, I'm generalizing, I'm generalizing, right? The right ones, at least the ones who leave, right? But the, the issue is like, I, I, um, like, I love, the, I love Washington Heights, I love Inwood, I love the, like, I enjoy those places. Even though it's ugly, even though there's, there's parts of it that are ugly, um, even though you see the drug use, even though we see the the redlining and we see that on one side of Broadway, there's wealth, on one side of Broadway is noise and people look black and brown and right. poor. Um, even though I still love Washington Heights, however, this um quarantine, man, and this COVID season, like with the noise and the fireworks, right. I'm like, so, it's, I'm so disappointed in the in the average black and brown man in the heights on the corner with the fireworks, man. Mm. Just because it's not, it's not young men. Some of these men are grown adults. Right. And they're, and they're, um, it's almost like, like a coin tail pro with the Panthers and all that. It's like, I mean, I don't know where these fireworks came from, but they were a lot. Right. They were state of the art. They were they like, were saying, they were saying that they were purchased in the black market you know, so and then they were sold for cheap because Very cheap. many events didn't occur and people were just getting it. Like, mm. I had a conspiracy theory that it was cops, it? but it just felt, <laughs> it just felt so like, so ignorant, bro. And right. it's my thing is, um, and we, you know, I have this, we have this men's group of we speak or whatever on it, we just start recently and we speak on different issues. And I was making a point like, I said something like, yo, it's whack that they keep making noise. In the I get Friday and Saturday. I thought, I'll give you that. Or if it's a three-day weekend, I'll give you that. But, bro, like, um, when I was saying, like, yo, sometimes I, I, oh, now the process, we're starting the process of getting, moving out the heights. Right. Because for my daughter, a number of reasons, right? But I'm thinking, like, yo, it's fucked up that they can't hold themselves, you can't hold them accountable. And the counter argument is, oh, but there's a history there. And, da -da 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 -da, and the noise, the history of Trujillo. There's a lot of history there on why. There's so much noise in the heights and why these men are so, making so noise. Explain, explain this history of Trujillo. Also, I'm reading, um, I'm only like... What does, what does Trujillo have to do oh, with... Oh, the... All right, so, all right. So, the <laughs> point I'm trying to... I'm all over, bro. So, this is a, a tale of two cities, Santo right, Domingo right. and New York, after 1950. Nonfiction book by Jesse Hof, Hofner Garskov. Um, and this kid, uh... What the fuck is his name? Yo, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. See, I can't drink a beer. beer. I drink like, I drink like three drops of beer. beer. Well, that's it. Um, so the point of the book, it talks about um, just don't, the... Uh, just don't say anything that gets you scanned to. Okay. For, for the... I might saw a little a few more chat books. Though. Santo Domingo in New York. It, it focuses on Santo Domingo in New York and, um, right. after 1950. And um, part of it talks about how in the, in the 1950s, Tujillo's brothers got a whole bunch of jukeboxes. Um 
for super cheap, and then they sold it to Colmados, and they told the Colmado, yo, you give us half of the profit, we'll give you this jukebox. And then what happened was that the Navajos, all the Colmados had mad noise. Right. It was super loud, and you had people, a lot of them poor or working or working class people complaining about it. And what, but what would happen was that the, at the, around the same time, the government in the air created these cultura, these customs on how to act appropriate, how to civilize people from the rural areas and poor people, how to civilize them. And what happened was that the people in the community turned on their own, right? So they started complaining and snitching on their own for the noise, right? Um, and they conflated noise with uh, homosexuality and sex work. Okay. So while some people were complaining about the but they just lumped it together. Right. So, but the book talks about how when people complained about the noise and about the quality of life issues, they never complained about tigeraje, uses the word tigeraje, okay. which is like straight Dominican man's behavior. Right. There were no complaints of what they were doing. They were just complaining about the noise, the gaze, and the sex work. Mm. So, and that's something to be said about like, I don't know what point I'm making, but well, you know, but 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 thinking about like like how would you connect that with now, mm-hmm. like as far as like you're you're criticizing oh. these cats Thanks. for you know uh, blasting music at um, okay. you know so, I, you know I wonder you know I wonder how, how would you connect that? Uh, I just the point I just remember the point I was gonna make. So I get that history and I appreciate mm-hmm. that history, but I can't tell my daughter at two in the morning when the fire boom boom and she started. I can't say. Oh, uh, Amelie in <laughs> yeah. 1950s, Ayo's brother, it, and that was a, a back. Or maybe, or maybe you can. <laughs> or maybe I can. Or maybe right? you can. And then she's gonna, you know, and and that was something that was going on in the men's group where people were like passionate about it because some people were like, you have to understand the history. We can't call the cops on them. And I was on something. No, I'm not for calling the cops. But some brothers were saying in the in this men's group, they were like, yo, but when do you when what if when, you, you know, can't point, sleep? Yeah, at some point, at some point, yeah. But then you call the cops and then. You yeah. don't want blood on your hands. Right? And so, 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 so the question is whether there is enough alliance in the neighborhood where people can start trusting each other and understanding and caring about each other's, you know, sensibilities. You know, I, you know, it's it's tough because especially like if you just move to a neighborhood and you don't, you know, you, you may not know the culture, but also like if you've been living in the neighborhood for such a long time, whether there is some connection with with the folks that actually. In, <sighs> You know, like, come on, like, at some point, it's it makes sense that you should not be playing your music at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, but then another person would be like, yeah, but we've been cooped up for such a long time. Oh. People are losing their minds. And this is their way, you know, this is their way of expressing themselves. Um, it's, it's, you know, but the problem is, it may not be the music. It may be that Washington Heights, the way the neighborhood is set up. I don't think it's reasonable, you know, reasonable is not the word that I'm looking for. I don't think, okay, let's just go with reasonable or practical. It's not practical for so many people to be living in a neighborhood. I'm with you a thousand percent. Dude, like, come on, man. How many buildings are on one street? You know, and, and it's like people are fighting for parking spots. Yeah. You know, like, like, like if you had, like, if you were living in the suburbs and you did that, there would be no issue. You know, there would be no no issue. So it's like you also have to understand, all right, like, it's the people, but also there's practical considerations. Um, I think when are we going to start holding certain people accountable? I, I, I get it. I get this systemic. 
But at some point, yeah. we gotta we gotta hold each other accountable. So so, and I agree with that. I agree with that. And um, I I think while we do that, we have to make sure that we don't make a case for investing more dollar bills into the police department yes. that should be going to education, health care, and other things that, that benefit society, general welfare, right? Um, yes, and I feel that, but, I, you know, the thing is that you have to be very cautious because people, this country is so divisive, people are so divisive, mm. um, and it's like, what's a nuance? You know, in cancer culture, what's a nuance? It's like, it's like people we, don't understand. It's like the, the, we, I say that sometimes, like, we're in the era of the memification of reality. Right, memification of reality. Right? And it's sort of like, and if you're not within that, or you say anything that diverts a little bit, you, you could get in trouble. Because yeah. then you divert a little bit, nuance, quote-unquote, and then they say you're on the other oh, side. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're on well, the other side. You're calling the cops. I never said that. I'm I just, I just want my that. daughter to sleep, right. you know? Right, 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 right. You know, that, that brings me to another point, and, you know, it's a side a side note. Two things that we have in common. One, we both spend too much time on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But two, we both deliver drugs. Oh, yes. As young men. Yes, yes. <laughs> I used to work for a pharmacy, too, when I was young. How, how old were you when you worked for a pharmacy? I was, like, um, at first in high school, like, 17, yeah, me too. 17 18, started Upendra, Upendra Solanke. Um, shout out to him um, yeah. in the village. Okay. So it was interesting, and being there, and what's wild was that um, just, uh, I, wasn't, I was never allowed in the homes, but I was seeing these people in Greenwich Village, people with so much money, like, mm-hmm. and that's the reality. And I always say, like, if the average person, poor person, knew how upper middle class and rich people lived, they'll fucking burn this whole shit down. Right. If people knew, the average person knew how certain people live, like you have, and you have two duplexes, and like, and you're just like, what the? Right. Yep. And I live in this like, this uh, this this living room Box. that tur- that's really supposed to be a bedroom, but they turned it into a bedroom. You yeah, know? my daughter's toys is behind the sofa. You ain't nobody need to leave. Yeah. So yeah. um. Yeah, so that was an issue. Where, where, where did you so, so, I, so I was by Morningside. I was I was delivering Riddle uh, to uh, Columbia students mm. all the time, man. And then around there, I would go to certain, um, not, not brownstones, but really like nice apartments on Riverside Drive. Oh, and I would just see this, man. And I was like, wow, like this is like, I just live like 20 blocks away and it's like a different world. So yeah, that also helped me to understand like, wow. People are living differently out there. And then when I went to Buffalo, forget about it. When I went to Buffalo and I got away from the neighborhood and, and you know, something about space, space does something to you. It makes you like really come into your own, you know, um, well, you can't say much about space because, you know, most of, you know, middle America that kind of brought this president in probably have a lot of space. Right. But 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 for me, I remember I, I used the space that I had in Buffalo to like, you know, as a time for reflection. I don't know where I'm going with it, but it was just different. So I appreciated it. And then when I came back to to, to live in Harlem, I, I realized all the noises and that can be unnerving, that can be annoying. Um, you know, also like there's aggression in, in, in driving as well. Mm-hmm. It's cooped up. It's cooped up. It's, you know, but I, I think a lot of it is because there's so many people. You know, and, and yes, you know, there's individuals that are making bad decisions, right? Um, hopefully, hopefully their kids go to a good school, and uh, and they know to do better. You know. Um, 
What's up? How we're good with time? Yeah, all right. Okay. Uh, Chilling, man. I thought, yeah. Right. Um, damn, cause was, yeah, I was gonna say right now. Um, with from oh with space, right? What you said about was interesting, right? How when you're in space, it does everything that's happening externally. Like so, sometimes we mirror internally, right? So it's not exactly the same. But I, the other night, I hope my my girl doesn't listen to my girl's not interested in me at all. When it comes to the creative series, like, oh, okay, bro, okay. she just cares if I fucking did the groceries and shit. <laughs> um, but um. The other day, we broke me and my daughter. She's six. I hope ACS is yeah, listening. By the way, she's probably going to be like, this guy's being patriarchal. He, he, he only cares about me bringing in the groceries. But. Yep, that's toxic masculinity, right? <laughs> but me and my daughter broke night, though. It's bad. I shouldn't say that, but we're playing Minecraft, right? And you know, Minecraft is like blocks, right? Right. And I don't know if it was the next day or like I was like falling asleep trying to knock out. And I was thinking. And in my thinking... I could see the ideas as blocks in this weird way. So the fact that I was playing Minecraft for like two, three hours with my daughter, it was blocks. And I remember thinking, I visited about ideas. And you know when you're like in the half sleep? And in the half sleep, it was almost like the ideas were blocks and I was fitting it in and trying to make sense of it. So there's something to be said about how you're experiencing the world, whether it be space, whether you're in a video game. You internalize that, so then you process ideas in that way. Right. So right. when you're in a, where there's a lot of space, a lot of possibility, right. Your thinking and the your capacity for imagination is something completely of different. Of course, yeah. of course, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and whenever there's a lot of things around you, uh, there's a lot of distraction, and there's also a lot of moving parts. So you're reacting a lot. Mm. Yeah. So so you know, it, it really forces you to be intentional. Like you know, oh, you're telling me that if uh, I want to get something to eat, I have to plan it. I have to drive to the supermarket like half a mile away. So I need to really understand what is it that I want to get, and for how long before I go there, as opposed to like that's you see that's and that's um, I don't know again fucking hooks. Cut that check. Cut that uh, check. Uh, but I think I don't know if I got this idea from hooks, but um. What happens a lot of times with men, and I'm speaking about myself, is that you want to stay in the spaces where you're the man. When you when you have influence, right. it's dope when I go to some restaurants in the Heights, nothing major. and But that, because I go there, they know me. Oh, JP, can I yeah, okay, post? Post it in your store. Like, and it's not like, I, mean, I, have a, I have a small ass following, but because the, the, it feels good to be yeah. known. It yeah. feels good that I can go here and go there. Um, so we could have been moved out of the Heights. Right. The only reason we're in the Heights is because of me. Right. Because of me. However, what changed this right now is that everything was amplified. The heights were so quiet for a number of months, right. which was a completely different reality for right me. Now, the noise is on steroids right now. And then, so then what happens is everyone is cooped up, so they're mm -hmm. making extra noise. I got used to less noise, so I'm extra sensitive. Right. They're extra loud. Right. So it's super intense. I'm like, yo, I can't do this shit. Yeah. And then it's, that just switched. And my girl's like, motherfucker, I've been telling you we yeah. need to do this. But and in my head, I'm thinking, you know, I have until my daughter's in sixth grade because she's going to start developing and straight up, you, you know how it is, right? And that's that's my shit. Oh, we got into, I need to be in the Heights because I, I love the Heights. And I talk shit about Dominicans, but I fucking love Dominicans. Yeah. You understand? And also, and also like that, that brings up another question. How much of living in the Heights influences your writing and how much you need it to write? Um, I don't think... I don't think no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a toxic. It's a thing of control and knowing okay. your thing, and um, really being intimidated of being um, a white spaces or predominantly white spaces, mm. um, because it affects your mental health, and people don't know this. It affects your mental health. What what happens is um, when you're around your people, people you identify with, 
in conversation in group settings, you're constantly thinking, so you're questioning and you're involved. Right. Now, what happens with, with me in white spaces, I have to navigate, I'm navigating and um, I make sure I don't speak a lot, I'm listening a lot, so when I speak, it holds some weight. Because in reality, I'm not going to, with the exception of my first year of teaching, I don't wear suits, I dress exactly like this, and kick, so people look at me funny like that, I go with my, I dress how I dress. Um, so that already sets me back. So I'm perpetuating the stereotype of the brown boy with right. the Jordans or whatever. So I make sure I don't speak a lot. I make sure I, I think before I, I'm considering a lot. Because I know what they see me as. As good-hearted as they might be, colleagues, really nice people. They're really good for kids. I give them that. But I know how they view me. So sometimes what happens is when you become passive in a lot of spaces and you're not engaged and you're not asking questions, your, your, your brain goes into auto-drive. So there's no critical thinking. So if you've been in certain white spaces for a long time, for a few years, your brain has been in, on auto drive for so long. Right. And those, you're stunted. You're not growing. Wow. And yet when I'm with people of color, certain spaces, I find myself speaking wow. of them, being critical. And, oh, and that's it's another it, fear. That's, that's another fear. thing because, you know, it, it's so much, it, that's such a layered analysis because it's, you know, you have to tackle whether if your words carry the burden of everyone that looks like you. You know, also like English, you know, like you're in Washington Heights and even though your thoughts may be refined, maybe your your vocabulary is limited. You know, you go to the store, he doesn't talk proper English. You know, some of us go to schools, the teachers don't speak proper English. But, you know, whether we start to look at proper English as intelligence or as um, you know, as, as leading or leaders, like attributes that leaders have. So, you know, that's how we also get intimidated. And, and, you know, there's other ways that we can get intimidated, you know, based on like what they did for the summer. I remember some of my white friends were like, oh yeah, I went to Africa to like, uh, you know, uh, feed a village. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Fine, <laughs> I, I don't have that cultural, uh, I can't, the I, word. I won't speak, I won't speak on my just out of respect, not out of respect for my students. I'm in a school, predominantly yeah. white, and and the students like adolescent is adolescent, and they they dope because what's dope about teenagers, man, is that they see through the hypocrisy, bro, mm -hmm. and it breaks. And them. they'll call you out, and they'll call they'll but, call everything but, out. And but then they're hypersensitive, and they're everything is novel: love, sex, heartbreak, literature, movies. Fucking um, skinny. Everything is just um, nov novelty. Right. So there's that, but they're also hypersensitive, and they're seeing the hypocrisy. So I love, I, regardless of their background, I think they're they're they're, uh, they're malleable and they're super important. So I don't want to speak to I don't want to speak a lot of my experience just because out of respect for them, but there's there's something to be said on how we teach white children and how we teach black and brown poor yeah. kids. So so talk to that. Talk to that because um, I, I I feel that a lot of the way we teach our black and brown kids, look, I went to Conway's High School, you know, I, I felt that the reason they gave me, they made it really easy for me to go to the next step and go to college, right? So I got to give them that. But there was a strong emphasis on discipline and not enough on creative or intellectual freedom. But maybe you disagree. What do you think? Um, I think it's, um, it's um, control. I think the word is control, right? So when I first got in, I worked in a, um, the Dominican school, Dominican principal. A lot of Dominican kids, a lot of these kids were, even though they're not classified as that, they were students with um, interrupted formal education. 
What, still, what is that interrupted formal education? So they might have gone to school kindergarten, first grade, then from second, third, and fourth, there was no schooling, then fifth grade, there was schooling, no. then okay. they come to the U.S. sixth grade. But in sixth grade, you have to make sure you get them ready for certain tests and you have to teach them to the test. Right. And there's a lot of teaching to the test. Um, and what I find with a lot of black and brown kids is that, uh, or the, uh, not all of them, but a lot of them is that they just need basic reading and writing skills. Those, everything is literacy. I don't care what illiteracy, you need to be able to read and write. Um, however, there's so much pressures. Like I had a principal, he's a black Dominican man. I had my issues with him, but I could see when the people on top of him were coming, the pressure he was under. Right. Um, and I saw how limited he was and what he could do in the classroom, right? Um, and how these expectations where you need this certain lesson plan. And teachers, who people are teachers, where we're going to listen to this, they know you need to have a, lesson, a certain lesson plan. You're teaching, three or five people come in and they just observe you. And they ask the kids, what are you doing? But they don't not, they just come in. And then you, you, you have to consider the effect. Forget right. the teach on because, students. Because, because, because now you're teaching for the exam. You're not teaching for their ability or, 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 or you know, it's like almost like a one-size-fits-all approach to passing this exam. Which are like the, a lot of the, these are the good teachers. I don't think I'm necessarily like the best teacher. I just, I connect with students, but I'm not the best, like... Um, there's two kinds. At, um, Carillas are white. One of the founders of the Brotherhood Sister Soul, this organization in Harlem. Um, he did, he had this lecture thing, and I asked him. I was like, hey, "What makes it?" I don't know what I asked him, but he said, "There's two kinds of teacher. The teacher that's really strong in the content, math, uh, algebra, history, whatever, and they're so good at that content that they just inspire the kid when it comes to that particular content and right. change lives that way." And there's a teacher that's just an inspiring teacher that's just a listener that's there for them, and it's not necessarily content. But it's this, 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 um, what Freire calls, Paulo Freire and Pedagogy of the Press calls, um, the student teacher, teacher student relationship. So they're not this vacuum that I'm filling in with information, right. but rather they're, they're works changing it. There's reciprocity, works changing information. Right. Um, and I think I'm, I'm more of that, like exchanging information and learning from them. And why do you think you're like that? Um, just because, um, You'd be surprised what you could get out of people not only on a lesson. We just listen. Right. To the power of listening. Just listen. And a lot of these adolescents, and I get it's difficult being a parent. I can't imagine what it's going to be dealing with my daughter when she's a teenager. However, um, some of these kids, they just want to be heard, bro. Right. A lot of these teens, girls, boys, black, white, able, disabled, LGBTQ, those, they just want to be heard. And in that, they tell you how they want to be taught. Or how they, they receive information. They, you learn what type of learner they are. Right, right. Um, and yeah, that's 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 a powerful point right there. And that's and that's that's when the works. Okay, this is what it this is what it is. Um, something else um, that helped that's helped me is um, not buying buying into the things the the way things are. Like I've always had, I've always like, this is slightly off. Like right. this is slightly off, and doing things my own way. Um, like, it's not a rigid way of doing things, like, you know, um, traditional, you know, because you're not traditional, right? You're not nah, traditional in the way that you look. No, nah, no, nah, nah. But the, the thing is this, it's like, if me and you, if we're going over um, freaking um, colonization, let's say, for example, and then the conversation devolves or evolves or uh, diverges and we start talking about gentrification, 
There's moments when the kids get so engaged, you have to keep going with it. You cannot continue with the lesson. Just to get to the other one, right? You right, just right. can't. You just ha- they're engaged. They're invested. Right. And Hooks has a book. Fucking Hooks. Again, teaching to turn scratch. Okay. And she talks about, there's a scene where there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a dialogue between her and another brother, I think. And she says something like, it's important to, when you're talking to kids, have, have them anchored in their personal experience. Once you do that, you could talk to them about everything, but it needs to be anchored on what's happening in their home, on their block. Right. Um, but that requires listening oh, and man. audibles and just switching up. That is such a powerful thing because with education, I feel that a lot of folks don't excel because they don't view education relevant to their lives. And that's a large part due to the failure of the teacher to make it make sense. And, you know... And, and, and sometimes, you know, I read this book or was it a book or um, a video or I listened to this video uh, called The Destruction of the Black Boy. I forget the person who did it. And, you know, and it's really old. And, you know, there's he some homophobic. Few, he has a few things in there. Yeah. There, you know, there's some homophobic, you know, like like there's some views that are like old school. Right. Um, but he had really good points about teaching the black child and how um, a holistic approach is it better caters to that type of child because look if the child is going through some shit at home and you're not like addressing that and you're not understanding that that's the reason why the child can't pay attention because he has all of these other things and all of a sudden you consider him a special child or you know someone that doesn't listen and just gives him a failing grade or suspends him like you're not doing that child a service but you have to understand you have to like i don't know my uncle someone said um when you hear like, oh, but he had a mother, and his mother was so such a seems like such a good mother, and she's this, but then he ended up selling drugs, and then he ended up getting locked up. But he has such a good mother, and such a good right. home, and I someone said, oh, a mother cannot compete with the streets. Right. Now I say that to say this, the, the hook teacher, said that. the hook said that I think the, for real, I wouldn't yeah. even doubt it. Oh, oh, you know what? Maybe it was the uh, destruction of the black boy, but yeah, I, I definitely... But then yeah. uh, what I like to add is like, so to add to that is the teacher can't compete with the home. And no matter what, right. whatever, it's just impossible. It's just too much. Um, and it's something to consider, but a holistic approach. But like, how is like, where do we start? Right. And especially young males. Um, and then if you want to add a layer, you know, young males coming from immigrant families where you already know that, okay, I've already, I have a one-up on understanding the system. I speak English. That gives me a lot more power yes. than my parents do. So I think of myself as someone that's ahead. Um, so, yes, I'll take your advice with a grain of salt. But then you have a lot of single mothers that are trying to raise boys, and that raises a different type of problem. Um, so, yeah, and, and then most teachers are, are women, right? So there you go. I, I wonder if that creates another problem. Um, and then some teachers, you know, some schools, I think the numbers are ridiculous as far as like, uh, you know, teacher to student ratio as far as race, you know, you know, superintendents are, are for the, you know, for the most part white. So I remember I used to go back to, to my high school and, and talk to career day, um, talk at career day to some of the students and uh, the students were very happy to see a person of color coming back because normally you know, we would have, you know, I remember when I was at, at, at high school, we would have, like, older white men. And look, bless their hearts. They came out of their yeah. busy schedules to come and talk to us and try to motivate us. But it hits different. Yeah. When you look at someone that looks like you, that comes from the same neighborhood, that probably dealt with the same issues you dealt with, that speaks like you, that has similar mannerisms, because it tells you, oh, shit, I can achieve whatever this dude achieved. Go. 
Yeah. Um, you, you, there's um, Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, Revisionist History. Mm. There's one episode where he talks about uh, uh, board. Uh, what is it? Brown versus Board of Ed. Brown versus Board of Education. Yeah. yeah. And but he talks. He, he mentions how, um, and I'm doing a disservice, but a little bit before that that ruling, you would have things. It was segregated, but you would have black teachers teaching black children. Right. And you saw the results, and they were you were getting. And then after, when you start mixing, and I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying I'm for segregation. Yeah, segregation right, I'm right. Not, but there's something to be said about teaching our own. Right. We, there's something to be said about that, and there's something to consider. It's one thing when you're a, and God bless their hearts, but a, a, a white woman from the Midwest trying to make it big in New York City. So you join the teaching fellows, or you join Teach for America, and you're out there in the middle of the hood, right? And then you do your two, three years, and then you bounce, and you do, you know? Right. And it's and not, to, I mean, it's a hustle. Capital is a hustle. I get where they're coming from, and, they, and there's a lot of these white women who come from the Midwest who do a good who job, who are powerful. You got to give them props for that. Um, but I, I, there's something to really consider. What, what does it mean to teach our own children? And really specific, like Dominican diaspora, people, and the offspring of the Dominican diaspora. Because our reality is very particular and it's very different. And um, there's just so many um, minds that our young black and brown Dominican men could step on. Or right. Afro-Caribbeans in general. It's just so much out there that um, I have to tell kids, like, I'm in a school predominantly white kid, relatively wealthy, well, wealthy kids compared to the other schools I taught at. And to some of the kids of color, I tell them when they got going out protesting because they're they're a little bit more aware. Right. I have to tell them, just be careful. I get, I get where you come from. I understand your passion. Just understand that your experience with a police officer will be different. And I don't say that explicitly. I use it like, I go around, I beat around the bush, and basically saying just be careful because you're a man of color right. and your experience with police officers is going to be different than your whole crew of white kids. Right. Just consider that. Um, but I'm telling him that. I don't think... This other English teacher, this other sisters, and right. tell him that I'm t- I'm trying to protect him, you know. Yo, can I, I so can I tell you this, man? And this is where capitalism drives into like mentorship and people seeing and wanting to connect. Because um, yes, it does help to be a teacher and a male and giving them advice, but as a young attorney, mm. from my own friends, on the block that I was raised with, all of a sudden they started talking to me differently. If not only because I graduated law school, like they were like, oh, you went to law school? Okay, great, good for you. But when I started driving around in some other sh, yeah, in some other some other, other sh, other. Like what's Jay-Z the difference said, between <laughs> about 30 to 40 grand? Beat it, <laughs> no, no, but like all of a sudden they're like, oh, Charlie is Charlie made it. I want to talk to Charlie now. How did he do it? Now, all of a sudden, my words carry weight. Mm. You know, and again, like, I know there's a, a culture specific to Harlem where, you know, you know, money making Harlem is like, the, you know, that it's not a saying for a reason. Obviously, drug dealing culture was like, uh, you know, uh, glorified back in the 80s. And, and as a result of that, materialism was on steroids. Right. Um, but young kids connect with that. Like, oh, that's their American dream. Like, you know, because they, they have people feeding them stories. And then all of a sudden you pull up in something that they may want, and then all of a sudden you got their attention. There you go. So, um, which brings me to another fucking point. Um, when I was young, when I was in high school, like how old? Like seventeen, sixteen. Yeah. 
one of the, one of the few boys that I had that that was actually uh, going to the, you know the university on the block. He asked me. He was like, "Look, bro, are you planning to go to college?" At the time, I was like, "You know what? I'm not sure. You know, I got a job working at the pharmacy delivering drugs. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I you know, I had a girlfriend. She was cool. I probably had another one that I was looking at. You know." Um, you know, life was good. You life were, was you good. You were the man. You were the I man. had a little Averex that I could afford. The Averex. Wow. Yeah, 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 How about yeah. the Vansons? You remember? No, no. The Vanson was like when I got to college, and oh, at that okay. point, the tuition reimbursement check right. didn't. Did 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 the tuition reimbursement check didn't get it. I don't know why they gave me that much. But, but so he goes to me and he he asked me like sincerely. He was like, "Look, you're like you're not thinking about college," and I was like, "Oh, I'm not sure." So he saw that I was somewhat indifferent about leaving the neighborhood. So he saw where I was at, and we were in the middle of the block, and, but he saw where I was at mentally, not just physically, right? And he said, okay, well, imagine if all of these buildings, in all of these buildings you have people that were your age that were living in these apartments. And I said, okay, cool, that's what's up. That's a lot of young people. I'm sure there's a lot of parties. And he said, yes, imagine if the female to male ratio is about seven to one, female to, to male. And I was like, that's a lot of women. And then he goes, well, yeah, imagine if some of the guys are gay. And I was like, that's a lot of women for straight guys. And he was like, yeah, that's college. And I was like, oh, shit, I need to get away. You know? And yeah, you know, there was a superficial reason for me to get to college. It was was debate that I needed because once I got to college, all of a sudden, you know, I started talking to girls in college and I started seeing that they were smart and I needed to go to class to compete because that person, like your character Ray Ray, he said that, you know, he feels that he needs to read because that's the only way he can get a girl like like Nilda. Nilda. Like Nilda, yeah. right? I felt the same pressures. You know what? If I if if I want to be able to connect with the woman that I like in college, I need to start going to class. And also you know, next thing you know, you start going to class, you start learning things and your world opens up. But it was because of that bait. It was because that friend met me where I was at at that specific time. Mm-hmm. And it takes patience. So as teachers, you know, you have many opportunities to connect on that level. Um, but, you know, whether it's due to lack of resources, whether it's due to having many students that you need to connect with, mm-hmm. not getting paid the right way. I'm sure uh, there's many reasons as to why teachers can't connect on that. Um, teach, um, I like to um Teach, the average teacher is not allowed to teach. And the, and all of, the, all of that should make this point. So when I was working with poor Dominican black and brown kids, I was micromanaged. And I even got an award one year for instructional lead, even though my license is special education because I have an MFA in, in, in creative writing. I was teaching English classes. I was leading the, the English department. But not, but there were people who were quali- better qualified than me, experienced, right. but they had tenure already. And there was some people who were really, really good, but they just didn't want to play the theatrics and do all this other nonsense. So then I took the lead. And I found that, after I busted my ass, busted my ass for like three years. I get tenure, then the the, the, the fourth, what is it, the third or the fourth year I was in, that first school I was in, um, I say, the, 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 I, I go to professional development, and there's a woman called Joanne Lenz, who's, who's a Jewish sister, and she teaches, um, kids with dyslexia and language and I was just like and she was teaching in this way and I was like yo this is what our fucking immigrant Dominican kids need because they don't know how to read and write so I pitch it to the school they end up no she ends up coming for a PD something else and I go oh that's the sister she tells us about this program called Rewards where you teach kids how to read and write Um, 
And I was excited. And I said, look, I'm for this. I'll, I'll be part of this program as long as we make sure that this class where they're learning basic reading and writing is in the middle of the day. It can't be at the end of the day because your average high school student is not going to stay after school. So then people could tell him he doesn't know how to read. Right. What happens? I show go by what up. What do they do? The next year, they just put it at the end. They make it the last class. So I'm there by myself with like two or three kids who don't need the support. Mm-hmm. And that was so heartbreaking, bro. Like I remember just being like, down. Like I don't, I don't, I didn't have the language, but I was really like, I don't give a fuck. I was just like, whatever. I just felt so because it was such a wasted opportunity, such so, a wasted opportunity. And then I, I switched schools, thinking that maybe in a different. But then you realize it's systemic, right? And there's a lot of work to do. Man, so so, so now you teach and you go through all of that heaviness that you did that you said that I go through as an attorney but oh, that yeah. sounds heavy yeah. so it's like you know we're fighting uh you know we're fighting the same war but but we have different roles in this war right um how how does that like like who do you write for like like is there like who's the audience who is it who's the person that you want to read what you write and and what do you want to do for that person that's ill because I've realized that um, because I went through the MFA program, which I thought going to an MFA program, we say I thought I was gonna learn about writing, creative writing, my major, uh, fiction, but I really learned about race and class. I went to the new school in the village, so the same neighborhood where I was doing deliveries, and poor brown kid going to different places, going, right. and I now was a grad student there, so I was in the same space, but now I had access to different buildings. I was fucking in. 33rd, 5th Ave, doing coke with some white kids, and then you realize, oh shit, the cocaine that the white people are sniffing is a lot better than the cocaine that the brown, even when it comes to drugs, right? Right. So you're learning all these different things, and I really thought I was going to learn about reading, and I realized, oh no, it's a different reality. The problem is not, there's no such thing as a bad drug, just bad circumstances, Mm. which is something Dr. Drew says. And I saw people consuming drugs around me and doing coke casually, whatever, but then they had jobs, and there was one kid in particular that I never knew him personally, but they were like, oh, yeah, that dude does heroin. But he was functioning. And I'm, mm. But then when, when I, in the hood, cocaine, heroin, it's sort of like, oh, especially cocaine. You do coke, you're a crackhead in yeah. the hood. You fucking, you do coke. Yeah. And, those, and I saw these people doing it, like, and I was just like, wow. And then, see, and then after that experience, I realized, okay, discernment. Discernment. Who am, who am I writing for? What am I doing? And experiences with certain professors, right? Professors, after you graduate, they don't respond to an email. So I don't ask for favors, right? So if I email you for a favor, it's because I've been holding that capital. I like to, like, do favors, serve, 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 and then I'll ask for a favor. I had an, a meeting with an agent, but the agent was sussy. So I reached out to a professor. I have this meeting with this literary, literary agent, and I'm concerned they'll never reply. And I was like, Diablo, mama. You got my money. I took loans out for this program. You can't give me a little advice before meeting with this literary agent. And then around this, um, well, year, this is, I graduated from the new school 2011. So I wrote and I did a lot of things here and there, but it was not until 2017, 2018, where I got a buying co- version of Buying Cocaine was published in the, the Poetry Project, a place right. I did inter- an internship for years before. And that got a little of attention. Then I published without a big one, and that won an award. Then I started working with Angie, and God bless Angie Abreu, because Angie Abreu straight up got in me gigs and told me, yo, do you. 
And she doesn't get, she, I mean, she understands how I am. She does not, I've done toyos, I've said the wrong things, controversy because of me. Right. Is this, I, I say sometimes I've sullied Dominican writers because you're me doing Leo or whatever, right, little right, minor right. things, sometimes big things. <laughs> but Angie, Angie never. Yeah. Angie never comes back with notes or feedback. Right. Never, bro. Angie's she just great. she just gives me the she knows who I am. She is when when it comes to certain things, she knows I'm not, it's not for you. She goes somewhere else, obviously. Right. But there's something to be said about her believing in me and just providing me with the platform. And there's um Sydney Valerio and Mariela Regalado also, right. who when I was really involved with Dominican writers on an everyday basis, they were there and they were central to to the uh, expansion of that platform. Of course. Um, and, and so they, they have to deal with a lot, man. They have to deal with a lot of like, just like, you know, when you say Dominican writers, now you ter- now you're taking on like an identity, right? And some people may not agree with that identity, and they're and they're still working, and you know they have a thick skin, they have a tremendous work ethic, and I think they're holding true to creative freedom. They're giving people the space. It's not about aligning with anything. They're giving people the space the to express themselves. That's what it is. What, you know, like, and you can't amazing. And, and again, and it's women. I was gonna say that women were doing that, and that's why we do a lot of because because I'm so active on Instagram and I'm producing so much content in a lot of spaces. In the intro, I would say, yo, like straight up Dominican writers is Angie, Sydney, Sydney and Mariela. And Mariela. Shout out to Mariela. She yeah, has yeah. a child now. So, yeah, cute, baby. cute, beautiful baby. Um, but Mariela still, she will with her baby, still woke, still putting that oh, info out there with her baby. Yeah, she still be. I, I catch her stories. But but I'm always like, I always say like, I always give credit to those three women um, in general and Angie in particular for the platform. But what 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 the platform Dominican writers provided was like a new audience that no matter what weird shit I would come up with, I have I had I had these stories with about Lemmy Soul and my love for Lemmy Soul, mm. an ode to Lemmy Soul almost, and about class and race and drugs, all this wild shit. Dogs, Dominicans are show me love. The weird, and there's always this thing where I don't feel like I'm Dominican. You know how I'm not Dominican yeah. enough. I'm not there. I'm light skinned I'm this, da, 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 all this like self conscious shit. Yo, dogs, time and time again, yo, Dominicans show me mad love, bro. And it's usually straight up, like in my Instagram stats, is 25 to 45 year olds, 65% women, 35% men. And of course, gender non conforming folks are probably fit in there somehow. Right. And the predominantly like a lot of them Dominican, bro, and they show love. If, I, if I'm pushing somebody's book, yo, they buy that book. When I had a book club or any event Angie was set up, boom. The diaspora get together, Angie did the flyer for me, used her network, so that shit was a success filled up. Um, so there's, um, I realized, okay, I'm writing. I thought I was writing for, I didn't know who I was really writing for, but then I realized, oh, shit, there's mad Dominicans. People of color in general, but Dominicans in particular, who they're not, they might not be as weird as me, but they still want to hear. They 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 like the experience and they get the references and they're really like and, you know. And and the thing is that like people like you, I feel, should be given a platform. Like like if there's anybody that should be given a platform, it's people that come with different ideas I and different views. That. You know, and that's why like I had to reach out to you. I appreciate you know because you know even though we had common mutual friends. I was like, nah, I dig this guy's spirit, I, man. I appreciate you know, I did, you know, and I, I think, and I appreciate you sharing, even though you were sharing the most, you know, like a really deep story while everything was crumbling <laughs> on my table, like the mic was literally falling on my lap about your mother. But and now I start to see 
um, because at a young age you had to you know you had to navigate a lot, and 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 your mother being such a strong personality woman that kind of you know was infectious and, and you caught on to that and it shows in your writing it shows in how you express yourself it shows how you throw yourself into like you know workshops in in, in you know in choppy waters right yeah. um but yeah shout out to dominican writers association for providing that platform i guess my question is what do you what do you think we're doing now as far as because you know you can't put all the burden on the dominican writers to like create these writers from the community. It's so unfair. So like where do you see us as young uh you know Latino Afro Latino uh you know readership um like like do you see that it's getting better cuz Instagram is fucking us all up. Yeah. You know it's taking away you know, people's time to like read a book because you know we're catching a, a, a short caption, photos. Like, like, do you see that um, some of your students are tend to be more readers? Do you see more people starting to come to the bookshop in Washington Heights? Because that's important to me. I think there's some. I mean, this sister who had, who also came up to the Brotherhood Sister Soul nonprofit organization in Harlem. Please donate to them. Please find out Brotherhood Sister Soul. Um, Elizabeth Acevedo also came up to the Brother mm. and Sister Soul. Um, she was. Yeah, she, I have to read her book, man. I've, I've heard so many good things about her book. What Acevedo does is like it's a novel in verse, so it's compact. You get through it quickly, but it's so dense and there's so much there. And I'd like to say that when it comes to an Elizabeth Acevedo, Dominican sister, black Dominican woman, and um, Elizabeth Velasquez, she just put body, but she does poetry. What I like to say about them too is that they get love and they get props, but I think we take them for granted just because of how accessible they are, especially of Elizabeth um, Velasquez, the, the, the Bodhi poet, and how we get the references and we get it. And because we get it and we understand it and we, need, we don't need a Google and it's not Hemingway, it's not Dostoevsky, it's not fucking Fitzgerald, we read it and we understand, I think part of us takes it for granted. So Elizabeth Acevedo, she has her awards, but she's a fuck. She's brilliant. Uh, Elizabeth Velasquez, she has a book coming out next year, but she has so much. She's such a generous person. But a lot of her poetry is so ahead of her time, and we take it for granted because it's, she's so accessible. And she's like your regular Bronx chick. She comes out like Bronx chick regular right, right. in her vernacular. And I think sisters like that are important. I wish what I long for, especially for Dominicans, for us to realize the, the people we have, we really need to start talking and asking questions to older people. I get that we have a lot of people with followings, with a lot of ideas that are in their 20s, maybe their 30s, but there are a lot of older people that we need to look at their texts, look at their interviews, and listen. Josefina Baez, for example. Right. Josefina Baez is one of the only writers. When you say, who are you writing for? Josefina Baez is one of the... I think she's just the genius... And she's always ahead of her time. She's always been ahead of her time. And we take her for granted the same way we take Elizabeth Acevedo for granted. And I think we take Elizabeth Velasquez for granted. Just because of their accessibility. Now, if they were... If they were, if they were, if they were in a Beyonce video, and, you know, or, or, or Jay-Z, uh, hire, you know, 
made her a rock nation artist, then maybe we'd be like, you know what, let's cop it. It's capitalism. But just seduction of capitalism. It's like we take our neighbors for granted. Right. We take our own for granted. You know, but people that support you first are the people that don't know you. Mm. Because if they don't know you, they feel that you're kind of exclusive. There's a mystery. And there's a mystery to that. Um, but if you, stupid, have, you have to read the, the level of the, just the frequency, the, the volume of work Elizabeth um, uh, Velasquez produces is crazy. A lot of poems, they're not, I, I don't think they're all dope, but most of them are dope, and she's producing a bunch back to back to back to back. Right. And yo, that's unheard of, bro. That's a no. And people really think that it's like regular. Where where can you find her work? Um, yeah, she's she's she has a following screen. Elizabeth Velasquez. I okay, think she's Elizabeth. on Instagram. Okay. She's a brilliant, but but I think we really need to start looking at her. Like, how is she producing this volume of work that's of high quality? It's not normal. And people be uh, straight up something I hate, and people talk shit to me because it sounds elitist. A lot of people don't fucking read. Right. And yet they're writers. They're calling themselves writers, and it just breaks my heart. Right. So when they come across of Elizabeth um, Velasquez, I think they think it's really that easy to produce so many dope poems just like that, back to back to mm. back, and throw and put up some shit she posted on Facebook ten years ago, and it still hits the same. And people think that's normal. Dog, so produce a decent poem is difficult. Right. But there's some sisters that are like getting people to read and producing so much, that's good because they're getting the attention, they're getting people involved. But I'm concerned that some of us take it for granted. Or maybe it's just the nerd in me. Like, yo, we need to respect people's aesthetic and their talent and blah, blah, blah. So let me let me ask you a question, man. And, and, and sorry for putting you on the spot. No, no, no. But, you know, we're talking about books. Three books right now that come to mind that are like your top books. Bro. And, you know, and no, maybe they were top that. books because of the impact that they had on you in a specific time. But you felt it. Is, um, so I start off, the first one that came to mind was a Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment. Okay. Ooh, good book. Bro. Good book. That was one of those books. Where, and it talks about the shadow self with men where it's sort of like, it's interesting because it starts off, he kills this this older woman, right? College student, kills this, this woman. And then throughout the novel, he's self-conscious. He thinks people know he feels guilty. And you see that interior life of this young, poor college student, right? Okay. Um, there's also um, Alejo Carpentier's uh, The Kingdom of This Earth, El Reino de Este Mundo, Cuban brother. Um, is, it, and, is it in Spanish or? No, I, I, I have the Spanish version and I have, but I couldn't get through the Spanish. The, the, the English <laughs> version, it's, it's not the best translation, but I think it's still, it's still beautiful. Okay. And it's about um, the Haitian Revolution. And it's, it's fictionalized. And he's the first, the intro in the, in the Spanish version of the book, the introduction. He uses the phrase magical realism. Okay. And supposedly folklore says that um, Gabriel Mar Garcia Marquez had oh, like a I was, gonna, I was about to ask you about that. Yeah, th you know what? That was going to be my question next, but go. But Marquez supposedly had like a hundred and something pages of a hundred years of solitude. But then he read El Reino de Este Mundo, Kingdom of This Earth. And he switched world, it up. And he, he needed to switch it up. But there's a passage in that that I almost, I almost got. You know what's crazy? I gifted you the Josefina Baez Carmen book. But I almost gifted you the Kingdom of This world because of this particular passage where he talks about um and I'll, I'll text it to you i'll send it to you but um where it's only on earth where we can grow and evolve and become better right once you're in heaven that's it the hierarchy established there's nothing more to grow and he goes to this passage and it's beautiful beautiful then he goes like the, the you could man could become his full self and and learn his full capacity in the kingdom of this world of the kingdom. Ah, right. oh, it's beautiful. Really? And and I read that passage because I was near the end. And I read that passage while it was in the bookstore, in um 
in 84th Street at Barnes & Noble, and I was going to go see Thomas Glave, this Jamaican, gay Jamaican writer, who's a fuck hell of a phenomenal writer. And in reading, I was like rushing through, I read that passage, yo, I got emotional, I teared up. It's such a beautiful passage. So there's that, there's um, Crime and Punishment, Dostoevsky, Kingdom uh, of Kingdom of the Carpentier. And the last one. Um, it's more recent, but, the, oh man, there's two, I got to give you two more. Um, there's um, the Tommy Orange, Okay. They're there. T H E R E T H E R E. They're there. And it's just a Native American indigenous brother in Oakland on the West Coast. But he's urban. He's in the city, inner city. Mm. And the shit these Native American, these indigenous people are going through felt like fucking the Dominican experience, the African American black experience. The same shit. They got us. They fucked. Yo. Yeah, they, they whoever they is, they yeah, got yeah, us, bro. They got they us is, good. Right. But that and it's it's um there's that and then um the final one is one of my favorite novels, which I, I you have to be patient for, As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner. Oh, I heard really good things about And that but book. the thing is you're gonna it, it took me like maybe fifty, sixty pages before I I, it, I understood what was going on because it's it's there's over like twenty something characters. And essentially a woman's about to die, the mother, the matriarch. Some people say it's a feminist text, I don't know. But the mom is about to die, and then the father, the sons, and the daughter have to they 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 have to make the coffin. They're building the the oh, while she's dying, the son is building the coffin. She could see him building the coffin for her. Wow. Eventually, she dies, and they have to take the coffin like to the Sated city, and it's just like the family. And then you realize by the end that each one of them has a different reason for going to take to bury the mother. So okay. it's, the function is not to bury the mother. Like, right. That's not. There's, there's really ulterior motives of her interior life of all these characters. This and I think Faulkner, William Faulkner, is a fucking genius. Um, there's Beloved too. So me, this is the only book that I, I didn't really get to finish, and okay. I hope to finish it one one day. Three chapters in, and um, I, I have this thing with run-on sentences. Uh, Andrew years of solitude. Oh my god, bro! Yeah. What's uh, going on, man? Right, and so, then you know all the characters. All right, so are are like they have similar names. So, um, as an I, attorney, it kind of like annoyed the shit out of me. But everyone glorifies it as this like work of art, and I can see it, it's there's beautiful tendencies, right? There's beautiful, there's something beautiful about it. But but I want to get you, you know, did you finish it and what did you think? I did finish it and it was difficult and I had to read it. Like now, there's some text where I, I have the a hard copy, I have an ebook and the audiobook. Because if when you spend that much time on Instagram, your attention span is kind of right. like so. Sometimes I, it's really difficult for me like to focus. Um, with a hundred years uh, of solitude, what you get is a uh, um, we're used to, the, and I hate to reduce it to the phallic or the concave or the the, the, the straight line or the circle, but uh, most texts, when you look at most stories, they have the the structure of the inciting incidents. Some. Uh, once upon a time, it was always sunny, and then one day right. it rained, right. and that's inside. And then it starts, and then fucking, then it started snowing, and then he thought he had an umbrella. <laughs> then the umbrella disappears, and then the dragon How pops do you up. Deal with that. Man. No, but really quick, no, no, I'm saying that's just such a tradition. Right, right, right. And then he defeats the dragon, the Norman, Epiphany, blah, blah blah. Boom. What happens in a hundred years in solitude and a lot of they're more circular text. There, there's kind of like that, but it's more accessible. It's circles. So, um, and what happens is if you want to have control of what's happening and really have a grasp, grasp for it, yeah. well, forget about it. You're not, it's, it's impossible. You're a human being. And what he's getting at is how 
people like to say, or now you hear the term ancestral trauma or intergenerational trauma, whatever. Right. And Marquez was getting that in the way where you get these men uh, acting out the, the, the limitations of the father. And then there's all this, there's a lot to it. He's, he talk, he's talking about the, the history of this particular town, this space, Macondo, I think it's called. Right, right. Um, and, but it's circular. You go, you go around and around and around and you just have to let go of control. Just let go. Okay. You just right. let go. Just let All go. Right, so maybe maybe I was too much of a control it, addict. I'm gonna try one more time, and then we're gonna have another conversation. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully next time when you come definitely. come back to the podcast. Definitely. As we're you know because we've been here for a while, know, man. Yeah, this yeah. has been flowing. I, I'm having fun. I don't yeah, know. This uh, is good. I don't want your partner to no, be like no, 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 no. I do. I do have to go to the restroom in a quick second, but it's all good. My question to you is, you know, to put you on the spot once again. Let's say you're an attorney now, and you want to prove your case and you have 12 jurors, right? But you also look to them as uh, spiritual advisors. Okay. Who's in that jury box and why? Oof. So this is like, let's say... Can they be dead? Of course. Of course. So, you know, again, there's something that you want to prove, but you have to go through these 12 people. And you know where I got this from? I got this from Napoleon Hill... Uh, oh, thinking okay. Grow Rich, where, okay. where, where he said, you know, I read the book a while ago, but it was like having these advisors, and I took it as having these jurors for me, because I'm a lawyer, and I want to also like argue to their point. But who would be these 12 jurors that you would pick? Um, yes. I got I got it right. No, no, right. Um, um, uh, Mama Tingo. Okay. Uh, Juan Bosch. Okay, Juan so Bosch. why am I... Okay, so, so you're going to write them down. Write them down. And then Juan Bosch. Um, Juan Bosch, that's a good one. Um, William Faulkner. I don't know old white men. They're not popular. It's okay, I, I it's love, okay. I love that man. It's okay. Um, Avundati Roy, he's a writer, uh, Indian writer from, um, from India. She wrote The God of Small Things. She's an activist, brilliant woman. Um, okay. I would have... Uh, William Shakespeare. Wow. All writers. Yo, oh, where? No, that's fine. That's okay, fine. That's what I'm doing. Okay. That's fine. Um, uh, uh, Tony Morrison. Nice. Um, came out. Um, Huey P. Newton. Getting revolutionary on this. Oh, right. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, that explains a lot. Car- uh, Car- um, uh, Stokely Carmichael. Oh, okay. That explains a lot. Okay. Um, I don't even know how to spell these names. Um, Fela, Fela, Fela Kuti. You can have them. That guy's brilliant. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. I have um Cedra Sebastian. She's a a mentor of mine and part of the Brotherhood Sisters of Soul. A sister I could always go back to. This black woman, really powerful. Um, Umi Modeste, high school teacher. Also, a black woman, really powerful, really encouraging. I remember, I would be like, because I would, I would write rhymes or whatever poems, and I'll be minor. I would rhyme everything with minority, and she'd be like, "Yo, you know that you're not a minority, right?" Only Modesta told me that shit. She was a brilliant. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Oh, shit, I have one more. Um, and the title goes to. I think my great grandmother, Emma Laskin, found. I think she's she just knew her her second husband, Leonel Sagu, this Haitian man, who's a, who's a lawyer, 
mm. or lore. He's polyglot. He spoke like four different languages, five languages. Um, he used to say, he used to tell her, and then she told me that he used to say, if, if in Alaska, her name we called her Nola. If Nola had, if, if Nola only had one year of proper education, she would have taken over the Dominican Republic. Mm. So this was a woman who didn't have the language, but through hustling, through sex work, became a madame, worked with people who were against Trujillo, went through Haiti, went through Venezuela. So, so yes. one thing, so describing a quality that you take from all of them, which is why you put them in that position. Um, Mama Tingo, just community. Okay. Right? Juan Bosch, I would just say for everyone to just read this short story called, he was just a genius. Anyone who gets exiled is important. I would add maybe Taslima Nazarin too, but she's but I can't. She says some wild shit about Islam, so I can't. We can't get in trouble. But Juan Bosch, he has a story called Lamu. I think it's Lamu Head. And essentially, the crux of the story is that this husband tells the leaves the wife ends up giving the milk to the baby instead of selling it. So he comes up and he just fucks her up. Mm. This Juan Bosch, but he's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant man. It's sad what they've done to the political to both of the political parties he birthed. Right. William Faulkner, um, and there was some. This, this was one of the a, a white man who understood the the American experience, and I'd argue he's the black experience. That might get me into trouble, but at, for 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 a man of his time, there was something he was writing about the black experience, which I don't think a lot of people uh, weren't doing. And he's a big influence on Morrison too. Arundhati Roy. The God of Small Things, I'm reading it now, is amazing. She's just a, 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 a real activist. Everyone likes to say that they're an activist. This is an activist, a, a, a brilliant woman who's always holding in Indian officials and just uh, uh, politicians uh, accountable. William Shakespeare, I mean, it's important for all writers, for all of us to read Shakespeare. Even if it's that No Fear Shakespeare, where they translate it to contemporary English, it's important because Shakespeare, there's something about the human experience that Shakespeare was getting at that few writers get to do right now. Few writers have matched what Shakespeare did. Mm. Or whoever, supposedly it was a group of, of writers, it's a lot of conspiracy theory. Um, Toni Morrison, at the same level of um, Shakespeare, like this is one of the writers, few writers, a black woman who um, who's able to write without the male gaze. Right? Like the male, right? Um, and you just looked up there and I just thought of Baldwin too, because Baldwin, Baldwin, another reason, but Huey P. Newton, of mm-hmm. course, brilliant. I mean, he's he just showed possibility what we can do. It's horrible what what the feds what, what right. happened with him. Carmichael, just his fire, man. It's just that fire. That's that fire. And that's that's not no fear, fearlessness. The facility of his words. It was like he was so confident in what he was saying and principle. It was coming from a real place. Yeah. Um, the next one be Fela, um, Fela Kuti. The man's are brilliant. He has issues with toxic masculinity and you yeah. know he had like five like a bunch of wives or whatever. Right. But yeah, but you know it's just it's a quality that that inspires you. But he's but he's. I mean not, that's not the quality that yeah, inspires yeah. you. But there's a quality yeah, that yeah. inspires <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> but he's um. But he was just a leader. He took up space. But he was just through music and through the arts, just talking right. shit about the government in such right. a dope way. Right. Um, so you're just Sebastian. She's just a, a person I know personally and just like uh, integrity. She models behavior and thinking for me when I reach out to her. Mm-hmm. Umi Modeste, just a teacher who was really, who listened. Okay. They just listened. And that's where wow. I get it from. And Olaski Infante, um, just because um, 
any opportunity to in, engage or interact with her. I think I took her, again, proximity, you take it for granted. I, I took my great-grandmother for granted in a lot of ways just because she didn't have the, the language I was getting in school, I was getting an MF. I knew all, this, all these big words or whatever, and I thought, I can't disconnect. I, I, I can't connect with these. I think she, she could never read what I've written. Mm. So I've always felt that, like, I wish she could. But um, I should have worked through that and gotten more stories and more information from her. So any opportunity, even if it's putting her in a jury, why not? She'll be confused. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So. So, so those are your 12. Those are my 12, man. Hey, man, uh, I have no doubt that um, you're gaining their favor with all the work, all the great work that you're doing Thank right you. now. Thank you. Yeah, man. So before we leave, man, please let us know where we could get your work. Um, I'm heavy on Instagram, InfanteJP on Instagram, InfanteJP on Twitter. Website is www.infantejp.com. And yeah, man, it was great being here. This was super um, uh, fulfilling. And you feel a few, uh, I feel good. I feel good. good. And I really appreciate the invitation. A great conversation. And yeah, we have to do this again, man. Yes, man. Yo, I appreciate you eternally, man. My first guest on the podcast. Awesome. And it was amazing. Thank good you. Honor. Thank you, brother. All right. Peace.